Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, team. Nice to be company. Welcome to Thursday the 19th of May. It's still there, you know, that spike. And now the, now the gap is even greater. I was slightly worried last time round because, you know, we do these, these audience figures. We never used to worry about it years ago. Now we sort of go into a minor panic. I sort of have to start taking Valium and calming myself down with Prosecco and everything else. And, uh, and I didn't bother checking the figures last night, but I'm delighted to say that the gap between the other stations and this station has now widened. So that makes me very happy. So, in fact, really, I should be sharing my award with you because without the audience, you know, we're nothing. I'd be sitting here talking to myself. Wait a minute, I do sit here and talk to myself. I knew there was something about this radio thing I hadn't quite got the uh, the hang of. Uh, we've got some good stories for you this morning and some stories that'll make you go, oh, goodness, not sure about that one. So uh, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much indeed for the... Uh, the award. Thank you very much indeed for being there in the early hours of the morning. It's never easy, is it? Well, I think it's easy. But other people say it's never easy getting an audience on the radio. Well, it is if you're okay with it. You know, if if you're not okay with it. And yesterday, as you know, I I couldn't tell you anything about yesterday's programme. I was so tired. I did two (laughs) interviews. I can only urge you to listen to In Conversation this week. It'll be two of the most interesting interviews you've ever heard, because I can't remember anything about them. Seriously, I remember very little. All I remember is sitting there at one point thinking, I'm going to go to sleep, I'm going to nod off. And I'm convinced that yesterday I did nod off twice during the programme because I started reading an item out of the newspaper. And as I was reading it, I was aware of the fact that my eyes were closing. And so I was getting, I was getting to that state. And I started, um, I started sort of fantasising about the story that I was reading. So when, all of a sudden, open your eyes, Stephen, open your eyes. So I opened my eyes. And I couldn't find where I'd actually got in the story. Uh, and so I, I moved out because it had just vanished. I'd obviously turned the page or done something. It was just it was excruciatingly awful. So, But you had to bear with it yesterday because everybody was on a high. I, did, I suddenly realised yesterday, and I'm not going to go on about it too much. Well, till about 20 past anyway. And um, I suddenly realised that I've got lots and lots of friends in the business. I knew I knew loads of people, but, you know, people up until midnight last night were sending me belated greetings and people I hadn't heard from for, for ages and ages were sort of saying, you know, well done and all this kind of stuff, which was lovely. I haven't, I haven't relived the moment too many times. I went to see my friend uh, Mr Moyles uh, the other day on his programme, and I think there's a video up of that. And uh, it was just, was just nice. It was just nice. You know, people being nice and uh, it it was just it was just bloody great, just great. It really was. So and anyway, and then to get the uh, the audience figures, and I was sort of even happier because I do worry, I do worry. Contrary to what you might think, you might think you're listening to somebody who is urbane, sophisticated, doesn't have a care in the world, but you do worry about the figures because that's what you stand and fall on on every radio station. You want to know that what you're doing is pulling an audience. And it doesn't matter whether you're sitting here whistling Dixie uh, or whether you're picking your toenails. If it gets an audience, that's what you're in the business of. And my friend Chris said to me the other day, he said, make make no mistake about it. He said, you're here, he said, because you pull an audience. He said, that's what you're in the business of radio for. You pull an audience and the advertisers love it. They go, look at this audience. Look at this four o'clock in the morning. Are you mad? Who wants an audience at four in the morning? And the answer is, everybody wants an audience at four in the morning. And so I'm quite lucky. So when I looked at the uh, the graph this morning, we've now surged ahead even more so at four in the morning. Before, there was, there was another radio station that had separated 
from the little tangle of wires that we see before us. And, and I looked at it last time, oh, I don't like the idea of somebody snapping at my heels. Um, it's, it, it's not that I, I get bitter or anything else like that. I just think to myself, I need to up the ante. And then you think, but if the audience goes down, what have I done that was different last time round? And the answer is I haven't done anything. It just means that people say, oh, I think we'll go and listen to a bit of Bach or we'll listen to a sort of, you know, the Beatles or something like that. And then they listen to that and then they go, actually, I think I'd quite like to go back to, to Steve Allen and have a listen to see what he's ranting on about this morning. Because I never rant. I get angry about things, but I don't, I don't call it a rant. I don't, oh, here we go again. I don't call it uh, a rant. I just call it, I just call it being honest. I d- you know, I, d- I don't, I can't actually do it any other way than being honest, because I explained to you years ago that if you're not very honest on the radio, people see through it. People see through it, you know, if you sort of put on an affected voice or something like that, then people see through that. So the idea is that the more natural you are, the more chance you're going to get an audience. And so at four o'clock in the morning, you know, when most people go, you know, out of London, where we're all asleep, uh, you know, it's it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's fantastic. It couldn't be better. Audience figures go up. The spike gets bigger and um, and everybody happy. Results all round. Somebody said yesterday, getting the award, does that get you more money? I thought, I, don't, I haven't tried that one yet. Might try that later on today because we've got a, we've got a company. They sent me a thing yesterday saying, oh, would you like to join us for a company meeting? It's so funny because somebody said to me at the beginning of the year, and I can't remember who it was, these voices in my head, I think, started saying, uh, yes, this is going to be a very, very good year. And, it's, it, and if you remember, we had the win on the national. We got the 520 quid or whatever it was. And uh, then we get the gold award from the Archiva Radio Awards. It just, I mean, it just gets better. Then the audience figures. And you begin to think, now I've now got seven, eight notifications from the national lottery. Do you think one of them is going to say more than a million? I think one of them is going to say more than a million. That would be fantastic. That would be absolutely amazing. That I would, I would love. I would absolutely, that would be the, uh, the, the most exciting thing. The most exciting thing ever to get. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. It couldn't. Somebody said to me the other day, and I think I remember saying on the uh, the speech, you know, anybody who actually tells you that uh, that radio is difficult can't do it. Only the people who do it, and they do it naturally, and uh, and it works for them. So you know, the audience increase, the bigger spike. The, uh, the bigger distance between all the other radio stations makes LBC the brand leader, so we're very happy about that. And I spilled coffee over my shoe earlier on, which was a bit of a nightmare. Anyway, apart from that, we've got the papers, uh, we've got your texts and emails, we read everything out, we don't miss everything. And, uh, yes, I do remember, yesterday I was, I was in the office falling asleep, and James O'Brien said to his producer, Caroline, he said, uh, can we get together a, a montage of, of Steve's bits? And so she said, uh, oh, right, OK, because uh, he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a fan. He's a bit of a fan because it, it works out. If he talks about me, I'll talk about him. And so it, it, so it works out. And, uh, and Warren says, I don't want you to win because then you might disappear or retire. Oh, no, I don't I don't think retirement, Warren, is an option. I don't I don't. Uh, well, I don't think it's an option anyway. So yesterday and I didn't hear it because I was doing my uh, interviews and they had uh, called Sadiq. And so that was that was quite nice. That worked very well indeed. And and it was it was really good, really good, really good. So he did a he did a nice um, a nice tribute to me, which was uh, very much appreciated, which I was very pleased about. Very, very pleased about. So uh, I couldn't be happier, could not be happier. And as I say, if it comes with a pay increase, <laughs> I'm even more delighted. Uh, so uh, the stories of the papers today, the uh, the festival in China. You won't like it. 
It's a dog festival. They skin and boil dogs alive for food. Told you wouldn't like it. Uh, also, the people who go to Cannes, who primp and preen on the runways and everything, they don't go and see the films. In fact, nine out of ten times, they're not even in the films. You know, what in God's name is Cheryl Spagbol doing there? She's got another tattoo between her, between her bosom. And you think, well, suppose loads of time for that, dear, because she's certainly not recording. And she's paid by a, a makeup company. But she's not in the movies. She's not in the movies. She's never made a... Well, as far as I know, she's never made a movie. I suspect she might have, uh, might have done something. And uh, another one here, which is sort of saying basically the same thing that everybody else was saying yesterday about, uh, about how exciting it was yesterday. Although I was, I was so tired. I don't think I've ever actually been more exhausted than I was yesterday. I didn't think it was actually possible to be, uh, to be that tired and to sort of try and function at the same time. That was the difficult bit, trying to function. And at some point, I remember thinking, what are you talking about? <laughs> because it's not like doing a music programme where every so often you can have a little break and you go and you go into sort of 20 minutes worth of music and you don't actually need to say anything. Uh, on this one, you keep talking for two and a half hours and if anybody says, why do you do it? Because that's what you do for a living. That's what they pay me for. They pay me to talk. So effectively, I've filled two and a half hours of, of radio. I don't need to take phone calls. I can do it with texts and emails. I can do it with, you know, just stop off the top of my head. I can do it with the newspapers. And I could probably sit here till 10 o'clock this morning quite easily. But uh, luckily, they only pay me till 6.30, so you don't have to put up with that at all. Uh, very thrilled, says Jeanette for you. I could hear the emotion in your voice yesterday. Made me well up as well. Well, in fact, everybody, I got so many texts. and I mean, there were... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that were coming in yesterday. And uh, I suddenly realised on my phone how many people I know who were sending me, you know, people I hadn't heard of for quite a while, who were, some of them say, you know, so remember working with you, so proud of you and all this kind of thing. A lot of them saying it's about time. <laughs> You've only waited 36 years. I said to somebody in the office yesterday, who's that? I, was to- well, I was talking to Theo Usherwood. I said, I, I wouldn't worry, because he said, I haven't got anything. I said, don't worry. I said, it's only taken me 36 years to get something. Because you don't go into the business to get an award. If you get an award, it's nice. If you get something that, that's voted for by your peers, then that's, that's, that's the bonus. That's the icing on the cake. But I never went into the business to, uh, to get awards. I was worried about getting awards. I said, if you get awards, they might, you, you might want to move or something like that. And I'm, I'm quite happy. But I'm the person who told you about Tommy Bahamas a few years ago, says Jeanette. So you should treat yourself to their summer range. It's stunning. Oh, by the way, I'm, I've also visited Joe Allen's a few times. Very special place. Hope you are well rested. I wish I was. I wish I was well rested. I'm not at all well rested. I think if you have too much sleep, and I did fall asleep yesterday uh, when I got back in the afternoon, I had a glass of Prosecco and I fell asleep and I woke up thinking, I've got to climb into bed. And I thought, no, I can't. I've got to make phone calls. So I had to do three phone calls and 10 texts. And then eventually I climbed into bed and zonk. I was out for the count and that was me until the alarm went off this morning. And, uh, and the driver was early. So we were, it was good news. Patsy says, you sound uh, so much more chirpy this morning. If only I felt it. If only I felt it. Uh, Jane is in Cheltenham. She said, uh, I, I like, uh, I think uh, I discovered your show. I read an article written by Eddie Mayer. He sent me a, a text yesterday. <laughs> Eddie, who I think is earning more money than me, but I don't want to make a big deal about it. The li- that's right. As one of the papers said, the little known Eddie Mayer. I mean, I ask you, it's just so ridiculous. But anyway, uh, he said something like, Steve Allen says the things we all think. He can make you laugh out loud or gasp and then laugh. And I've been a 4am spiker ever since. You've got me through some terrible times. I get a lot of people, and I know it, 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 sounds, um, it sounds really uh, sort of odd, doesn't it? When you say I get a lot of people who are ill. 
you know, people who are sort of going through chemo, people who've lost people. And the wee small hours of the morning, and this would be classed at quarter past four as the wee small hours of the morning, are the times when you can feel the loneliness. You can feel, you know, the fact that you're the only one out there. So when you turn on the radio... It's you, all of a sudden you feel as though you've got somebody who's actually there with you. And it, it makes a lot of it's a bit therapeutic. It's a bit therapeutic. It was very, very therapeutic for my mum after my father passed over, passed over. What a dreadful expression when he died. I prefer to call it for what it is. And um, and she found the early hours of the morning very lonely. And so by listening to LBC, she said it, it just made her... F- she said she suddenly realised there were a lot of mad people out there like her. So she felt a bit better about it. I'm determined this morning to hit the out times. This will be the first one. This will be the first one. There's incidentally, there's a, a news story coming in at the moment at quarter past four that uh, Egypt Air have uh, tweeted that a flight from Cairo to Paris has disappeared from the radar. And this is flight number MS804, departed Paris at 23.09 and it's disappeared from radar. So if we have any more news on that, we'll bring you up to date and you hear it first on LBC. OK, quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Ferrari at breakfast every weekday morning from 7 only on LBC. With Hampton by Hilton. From a great night's sleep to the perfect breakfast included. Nick of the team at 7 this morning. There's finally been a breakthrough in the dispute over new contracts for junior doctors in England. But did it really require eight days of strikes and more than 150,000 operations and appointments being cancelled? And is it now time for the Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, to fall on his sword? Uh, the Daily Mail political sketch writer and author Quentin Letts will be in the studio to take a look through this morning's papers. And that all comes after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Everything you've heard about the programme is true. Actually, I think we've been quite nice this morning so far. I couldn't think of anything. But I did watch the, uh, the Harvey, uh, that's Katie Price's foul-mouthed son, on the television. It makes no difference to me whether he's disabled or anything else. I find it absolutely abhorrent that a 14-year-old boy you know, use his language like that, which means that they use it at home all the time. That's where he will have heard it. He'd have heard it from her. And I was just say, I'm sure Peter Andre must be delighted that uh, his other two children, because they are his children, the other ones, are growing up in a household where that sort of language is commonplace. Disgusting. It really is. And the worst thing was that when I watched it back on the television, I, I got the feeling she was prompting him into saying it. It was a case of, what have I taught you? What have I taught you? It, was, it just looked a bit like that. And uh, it was all a bit sad, but there again, she is a little bit sad, I suppose. As I say, it makes no difference to me whether he's disabled or nothing else. As far as I know, he doesn't have Tourette's. As far as I know, he doesn't have Tourette's. So there's no excuse for that sort of... At 14, he's using that sort of language. Disgusting, it really is. Uh, Warren says, can you tell the lady in the waitress, check out in Northwoods and stop keeping on about you all the time? Obviously a fan. She must be doing early shift then if she's up at this time of the morning, Warren. But uh, that's quite nice. I'll tell you what they have brought out. They brought out, I've got to get hold of one of them. It's, uh, it's um, 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 a toilet for people in the car if you get caught short. It's something you wear and then it means that you can actually go, go to toilet while you're sitting. In, if you're sitting in a traffic jam and you think, I've got to go. Because I know that, um, that Darren was talking about toilets earlier on. And uh, luckily, around our way, we don't have any public toilets. But there's a sign that says you can use the toilet in KFC. You can go into most pubs and use the toilet. I mean, you know, there's no reason for getting caught short. In Richmond, uh, there are toilets in a lot of places. The, uh, the Starbucks have got toilets. Uh, the, uh, the Debenhams has got toilets. There's toilets everywhere, all over the place. And you could just go in and use them. You know, I've never heard of anybody being stopped, you know, in a pub. Excuse me, what are you doing? I'm just going to the toilet. Have you bought a drink? I've never heard of that. Uh, but, of course, if you're diabetic, you have to go to the toilet. It's a case of, I need to go to the toilet now. 
I really... If you remember the other week, I uh, I really needed to go to the toilet. I got to about seven minutes away from the end of the programme. I'm thinking, I don't think I'm going to make this. This is not going to be so good. So we had a little bit of an incident. That's all we'll call it in the, uh, in the studio. So uh, the toilet problem comes up. So now they brought this thing out, which apparently you wear... And uh, and you could just sit there and go to the toilet. I'm not sure if I could actually sit in the car and just go to the toilet. It sounds a little bit bizarre, doesn't it? I'm not, I'm not sure whether that would work. Uh, what else do we have? Paul Hollywood is worried about his saggy bottom. Uh, so he's sort of changing uh, his, his diet. And uh, Kelvin says, have you ever considered being a spokesperson for Prosecco? Well, there's so many different types of Prosecco. That's it. I mean, there's so many different brands, aren't there? Although uh, my friend Paul says, can you start saving your empty Prosecco bottles? And I said, oh, why? He said, because he wants them for his birthday parties coming up. So we're going to put candles in them. So it's quite a good idea, isn't it? So, I mean, yesterday I did have one. And uh, I think I should have to get it out of the rubbish bin. (laughs) Give it to him. Uh, Jan says, well done on the uh, deserved spike. And uh, that's like, apparently she says, you're like a cosy duvet to me. And uh, yes. It is, it is interesting, though, isn't it, that over the years... Because I told you the other day, somebody said to me, hey, you know, have you got people who've been listening to you for a long time? I said, oh, yeah, I've got people who've been listening for 30-plus years. I mean, really, you know, going back to, uh, to Gough Square days, people who were listening to the programme, and, of course, which, which bears no resemblance, the programme back then, to the programme which you get nowadays. It's just evolved. People have grown up with me, and uh, I've, I've known parents bring their kiddies along to events, and now they're, they're grown up with kids of their own. It's it's quite amazing. I've, over the years, I've met a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of, lot of people, and uh, they send me photos and everything else at Christmas. So it becomes like this, this giant spike at four o'clock in the morning, and then other people tell somebody else, they go, oh, you know, did you listen to Steve Allen? No, what's he on? LBC. Have a listen to Steve Allen on LBC. I promise you, you'll actually get the programme within about two listens. Then you'll understand what it is. If you listen for the first time, it's always it's the silly people that go, oh, I don't like listening to Steve Allen. But you know damn well they're listening every day. They can't get enough of it. And uh, so they're the hypocrites in it. You know, oh, I don't like Steve Allen. He's rubbish. And you go, yeah, thank you for the spike. Thank you for my money. Thank you for the car. <laughs> thank you for everything. Uh, because that's how it works. You know, I feel sorry for people who can't get an audience. And, of course, there will be some people around the country this morning getting a little bit depressed because they've got the audience figures, they've fallen on their boss's desk, and he's gone through them, and he's looking, and and I I hate it as well. So, believe you me, you're not alone in worrying about the audience figures, and they go through it, and they go, might have to start moving people around a little bit. And once you start hearing people being shunted around, or they disappear from your your favourite programme, it'll be because of the audience figures. It'll be, I mean, put it this way, nobody's ever going to move anybody. Uh, if if you're not particularly successful, because they're going, they're not going to want to upset the apple card. Hence me being on seven days a week, which was mentioned by Biggins the other day. Uh, I said to him, I said, "Are you having dinner with us here?" He said, "No." He said, "I've just come from somewhere else." I said, oh, "Right." Bless his heart, honestly. Looking very well. We, we shall probably catch up at some point this week, which uh, I shall look forward to. We always have a good old uh, good old gossip. Uh, eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk and. Um, Beck says, glass of Prosecco and a sausage roll on me and the eel pie. Lord. Only a glass of Prosecco. That's a bit mean, isn't it? A little bit mean and tight. I tell you what I couldn't do yesterday on the programme, and I'm, I'm appearing to not be able to do it now, and that's, that's refresh the tweets. They, it's, it's not been working, has it? It didn't work yesterday. Some of them came in, and then and I looked at them and I thought, it's not refreshing them, in the same way it refreshes the text. So uh, panic not. 
panic not. Uh, I like you being there when I can't sleep or I'm in pain, says Jackie in Ascot. And one day I shall tell you my story. I've always been there. Yes, laughed out loud, spilt the tea all over myself, uh, says Angela. When you talk about the toilet roll, you must play it back about those lady doll toilet covers that you said you were into wet wipes at the moment. That did make me laugh out loud. Thank you. Pauline's in Cambridge. It's got a very high crime rate, hasn't it, Cambridge, I heard. Very high uh, crime rate. Uh, another one here. It says, uh, don't rest on your laurels, says Jane, because you have uh, the garden to water. Yes, it's true, actually. I have got the uh, the garden to uh, to water. But don't worry, because it rained yesterday. So that was fine. I'll get back today and do the um, the uh, the hanging baskets. <laughs> I'm sure I shall get a get a get around to that at, uh, at one point. Uh, just to add to the spike, I thought the award was the voice one. No, no, no. We haven't. No, we haven't got that one yet. Still waiting on that one. Be funny if we got two, wouldn't it? And, um, and Peter says you're not worried about Katie Hopkins. She could pass you. Um, she could pass. Well, in the audience figures, oh God, no, she wouldn't. How could she? She's not on at the same time as me. She couldn't, she couldn't pass me in audience figures. Definitely not. Oh, no, 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 no. If you'd seen the audience figures, you'd know that we're, uh, we, are, we are brand leader. Brand leader. Do you get the same notification from Camelot if you win millions? Says Mike. Yeah, exactly the same. Exactly the same. You just get um, uh, a notification saying the ticket that you bought for the so-and-so Euro Millions lottery uh, is a winner. Log on to the website to find out what you've won. And so you get the same notification if you've won... £2.63 than if you won £57 million. It's just in the top right-hand corner. It says amount in your account, and it'll either say £2.63 or £48 or £60 or £57 million. And it will say 57M on it. And then you phone up and they will ask you some security questions. And then they do, as you've heard on the adverts. Well, I count one, two, three, four, five, six zeros. And you go, yes, come on, come on. And in front of that is the number 57 you're a multi, multi-millionaire. Yes! I don't know whether you just go, yay, or go, thanks very much indeed, bye, and just put the phone down, and then go, yee! I don't know, I don't know how that would work. I suppose you just sort of sit there thinking, is it too early, nine in the morning, to open a bottle of Prosecco? The answer is yes, but a toasted bacon sandwich would go down a treat. I quite like that. <laughs> or... Well, failing that, yeah, you actually say to them, you're, just, you're taking the mickey, aren't you? Or you probably use another word. You'd probably, I'll have to contact Harvey to find out what other vulgarities he's got in his vocabulary. Probably quite a few, I should imagine. And, uh, and you go, yeah, you're having me on, mate. Thanks, and put the phone down. And they'd have to call you back and go, no, we're, we're quite, it, this is actually Camelot. Yeah, whatever, bye. You know. <laughs> no, it is Camelot. Remember years ago, they, they had a programme on the television, and it was, it was like a hidden camera show, only this one was a secretary and she was and they and the bloke who was running it said listen you need to call this this woman here and uh, arrange for us to deliver a fridge freezer or whatever it is and the other end of the phone they had an adult who was a child impersonator they don't find many child impersonators now there's been very few over the years and so the uh, the secretary who's not in on the gag phones up the number and a little voice goes hello and so she goes, oh, hello, is your mummy there? Yes, I'll go and get her. And she puts the phone down. So the woman at the other end goes, I'll have to dial again. And so she, and the little voice at the end goes, hello. And she goes, oh, hello, is, is your mummy there? She, I'll go and get Don't put the phone. And the phone goes down again. So after about the fourth time, the poor secretary is becoming slightly exasperated by this. And so even before, hello. She, she, Don't put the phone down. Don't put the phone. She's put the phone down again. 
ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. But I, I've, I found that very amusing. I like, I like things like that. It sort of amuses me. Other people's misery, as you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of other people's misfortune. The more misfortunate somebody is, the, the happier I can. That's why we like all these police action programmes. That's why we like the hidden camera things, because we're thriving on other people's misery. Somebody will write in and go, I don't know how you could possibly do that. You think, that's why they're successful television programmes and you're a loser. It's not your fault, you can't help it. I was trying to persuade my friend Chris the other day to like Katie Hopkins. He wouldn't have it at all. No, I don't like her. He said, I get the act, but it's... I said, no, she's really nice. She's really enjoying this week being on LBC. It's giving her opportunity, actually, to broaden her horizon. I wonder, actually, I did worry the other day. I thought to myself, if just supposing I went on holiday, huh, as if, as if, and they went, uh, well, to cover you, we decided to book Katie Hopkins. I'm not really sure I could cope with that. I might have to cancel the holiday at the last minute. Uh, we won't cancel the news because it's 4.30. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to uh, five. We'll keep you up to date with that flight that's disappeared. It's two hours overdue now. They can't find it. It's not on radar or it's not making any, uh, any noises, I fear. I fear the worst. But uh, we'll keep you up to date with that one. And so you never know, it could be a computer glitch again. could be all sorts of things. But uh, you, do, you do start worrying when something's two hours late. So we'll keep you up to date with that uh, flight and the details there. Uh, from, uh, from Michael. He says, uh, he says, that item you're talking about, going to the loo in the car, I think it's the same thing the Formula One drivers use. Can't see them getting out. To get, can you imagine them pulling up in the Formula One car to go to the toilet? Go, quick, I've got to rush in. Got to try and dismantle yourself from that suit, haven't you? Um, I know uh, it's uh, interesting. Uh, it says, Donald, you sound quite fresh this morning. Well, I sound a bit better than I did yesterday when I was exhausted. I mean, I've never been so exhausted. I can, I can still do it. Make no mistake, but uh, I just, I do need the sleep. I do need the sleep. And, uh, and Sue says, I only discovered you in April when sharing a hotel room with one of your spikers. She said, I wish I'd known about you when I was fighting cancer a few years ago. We could have got you through some very, uh, some very tricky nights. Very tricky nights. Uh, listening online from Melbourne, says Martin. And uh, he says, your in-depth description yesterday of how you won was quite moving. Very moving, he says. Well done on winning it. Yes, it's nice. He said, I'm amazed at how awake you sound at four in the morning. Well, bearing in mind, I've been to bed. So this isn't, this isn't me getting ready to go to bed. I've been to bed. I've got up. So this is now a normal morning for me. The fact it's slightly earlier than everybody else's. But London is a 24-hour city, as we've pointed out. So there's people going about their daily business, delivering, driving buses, getting the trains ready, sweeping, cleaning, all sorts of people. Hotels, you know, people getting ready to check out later on to get their early morning flights to America. All sorts of people listening to the programme. And that's what it's about. London is this vibrant city, like a lot of them now. It's a very, very big, vibrant city, and we absolutely love it. I mean, it's a fantastic place to live and, and to work. It's even nicer when you get an award, as you can well imagine. Uh, another one here from and uh, Lindy's in Northern California. She said, I consider you the bridge between two of my favourite Brits, Moyles and Hopkins. I hope they become friends someday. What, for you or for me? Because I know both of them very well indeed. Very well indeed. And uh, she says, uh, they really are quite similar. And I say that in a loving way. No, the word you're looking for is caring. I say that in a caring way, you know. I really hope that they become friends. Now, but when you say friends, I mean, I've, I've known uh, the Moyles character. And he said creature for some reason. I don't know why. Because <laughs> he, he did hugging yesterday. It's a lot of hugging going on. Yesterday was a very, very tree-huggy kind of a day. A lot of people were going, well done. Sorry? Even Charles the Newsreader put his arms out like that. It was a little bit, it was like a picture of Christ 
where he was standing there going, suffer little children to come unto me. And, and it was a bit, and I thought, he's going to try and hug. And, and I was thinking to myself, I'm not really sure that, you know, three o'clock in the morning is when I want to do a group hug. And so I just went, OK, fine, thanks, you know, and kind of sidestepped a little bit. But, uh, no, it was, it was a very, very good day. If you can have good days, yesterday was a good day. And uh, Nicholas and Richard are off to Barcelona. Nick, Nick Lazarus and other half is off, are off to, uh, to Barcelona. Wow. 25 to 5. Oh, I'll tell you. I bet when you get to the airport, it'll be a case of, can we have breakfast? But it always seems a bit shoddy breakfast at the airport. Why doesn't somebody do a really good fry-up at the airport that's reasonably priced, as opposed to, I don't know, 15 quid or whatever it is? You know, and then you go, do you want... I mean, I don't really want to eat at a Garfunkel's first thing in the morning. I, just, I think somebody should open up a, a chain of shops just called The Breakfast club or something something ridiculous like that and they just serve all sorts of breakfast everything from that disgusting stuff that we don't eat which is the black pudding and the white pudding but you just have lots of buffet stuff and you can have sausages and fried bread god my dream to have a piece of fried bread before i end my life when i say end my life i don't mean end my life before my life ends but uh, i'd love a piece of fried bread i dream about it Seriously, fried bread with beans on the top of it and a sausage or some bacon. Would, I mean, I could be quite happy with that. I don't ask for a lot in life. Well, being thinner would be the first thing in life, but the rest of it would be quite nice. Last time I saw Nick, actually, must have been in... I think it was in Joe Allen's, wasn't it? I'm pretty certain it was in Joe Allen. What are you doing in Barca- Barcelona? Isn't that the... We went to Barcelona once, and we were on a cruise ship, and they went for a tour around the stadium. This is the Famille. Uh, family, they all they all went off, and I just sort of sat there, and I sort of wandered down a couple of lanes in Barcelona. I thought, God, this is boring. So, uh, so I, I went back on board ship again and lie down, lay down on the bed, lie down on the bed. What's the matter with you this morning? Can't even read properly. And uh, so I, I wasn't excited by Barcelona. I think if you're into football clubs, you're probably uh, probably enjoying it. Uh, another one here, 84850, uk. A lot of people just sort of waking up slowly but surely. We're sort of pulling ourselves together and going, it's not easy, is it? It's not easy when you get to this time in the morning and think, I really haven't got the energy. If they're, if they're on their way to go to the airport to go to a Barcelona now, they must have got up really early. I know some people can get up, throw some clothes on and come out. I can't, it's a slow process. The older I get, the worse, the longer the process is. It takes me ages to get ready. I need, seriously, I need the best part of 40 minutes to get ready. I, I could probably do it quicker if I didn't bother having a shave, but I couldn't possibly come out without having a shave. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Front pages of the papers. What are they saying today? Uh, Trump heading for summer showdown with Cameron. That's the front of the Express. Uh, the Loose Women. This is uh, Sarah Khan. About 11 years ago, she was on Loose Women. They call her television presenter. She's not a television presenter at all. She's absolutely not. She's on Loose Women. Loose Women. That's not being a television presenter. That's being a panellist. She was on The Apprentice, but that was 11 years ago. She didn't even win it. And now she's telling us that she's lost her sex drive. So she, she says, I've told my husband he can sleep with other women. That's called a divorce, dear. That's called a divorce. God, what a waste of space. All the columnists have said exactly the same as me this morning. Do you not think maybe you should have kept your mouth shut? Making you look a bit silly. So your husband goes off and has sex with other women and you just sit there like a lemon, do you, at home? Oh, God, get out of the relationship, dear, for God's sake. Egypt Air update. The airline says flight 805 was 10 miles into Egyptian airspace at 37,000 feet when it disappeared. 69 people uh, were on board the flight. Uh, 59 passengers and 10 crew members. Sorry, uh, flight 805. Uh, sorry, 804, not 805. I said 8. Did I say 805? 
Oh, right. It's, uh, it's, so it's flight 804. OK, so we've got all corrections on it. So it's just disappeared. That was at 37,000 feet, but only 69 people on board. There must be a three-quarters empty flight, mustn't it? I would think. 59 passengers and 10 crew members. Good God, that's a good ratio, but it's, it's vanished. Ten miles into Egyptian airspace. We'll have an update, hopefully, shortly, and hopefully it'll, it'll come, back, uh, come back on the radar again. Let's, uh, let's wait and see, shall we? Which we can, uh, we'll find out a little bit later on this morning. That's going to run this morning, I suspect. Uh, one of the, uh, the lorry driver's spikers, he says, uh, I loved hearing you being interviewed about how you started... And uh, I could hear you in Bins Road, Liverpool at United Biscuits. I was one of the lorry drivers that went out on strike and caused UBN to close down. And I go to LBC. So he's saying, no, that's a pint you owe me. <laughs> yes, it was the lorry driver strike that, uh, that closed uh, UBN, which is the place that spawned so many radio presenters because it was all in the infancy. There was only LBC or, or Capital, our sister station, to go to. And then gradually the station started opening up. And uh, I applied to Radio Trent in Nottingham. I got turned down by Radio Trent in Nottingham. Radio Trent, they turned me down. I think we own it now. I think we own it. And they uh, they said, no, no, no. Even though I knew the programme controller. And he said, no, I, I don't think you're, you're good enough. I've been doing music radio, but not... I mean, I wasn't particularly good, I have to be honest. I was, I was always better at talking. That was always my forte. And so, luckily, I then came to LBC, auditioned for a, a newsreading job, and got it. And that was, uh, that was the start so, uh, thank God, I never ended up at Radio Trent in Nottingham. You can imagine. Life would have been very different, wouldn't it? There is a place called the Breakfast Club in Islington, says Scott, that does a nice fried slice, bacon, bean, sausages. Give it a go. Oh, it's a long way to go, Islington. really is. It seems a long way at this precise moment in time, but there you go. Uh, what else we got? Uh, apart from I've totally lost my sex drive, the loose women, Sarah. Uh, Sarah. I don't know why people want to tell you things like this. It's very tedious and very dull and very boring. She said, I love him, but I'm not interested in sex. As soon as he comes home, I make excuses. Why would you want to talk about this? I mean, who's interested? Who is remotely interested? They said she's 46 and she's a presenter. Well, she's not. She was the runner-up in The Apprentice in 2005. And, um, and then she told the loose woman audience, are these people desperate for attention or something like that? I mean, why make yourself look stupid? All, all the experts have said that, you know, it's, uh, she said it does hurt. I've been called a, a name. Uh, you know, she talked about racism as a child. Listen, everybody, racism is just another form of bullying. Everybody got bullied, whether you were black, white, green, pink, gay, straight, bisexual, tall, short, ginger, spotty, four eyes, specky four eyes, all that. Everybody got bullied about something. And it's so dull to hear people droning on about it. Just get on with your life. What was it the other day somebody was, somebody complained about it? It was somebody who was a trans woman who goes into Santander and and they... I don't know if it was the same woman who picked up the phone and talked, and they said it sounded like a man on the phone. The fact it was, it was a trans woman, but it was a man, and now it's transitioning into a, a woman, they weren't happy about it because they have to combat fraud. And apparently she was traumatised by this. Why don't people just get over themselves? You know, if somebody says to me, you're fat, I go, yeah, and you're ugly, but I can lose weight. You know, it's as simple as that. You know, just think of a quick put-down. You know, what are they put putting teeth in your mouth for? Seats would have been better. You know, nice jumper, didn't they have it in your size? Go to the hairdresser today, didn't think so. All that kind of stuff. You know, keep your mouth shut. They're looking for a site for the new airport in London. You know, that's the kind of stuff you just put them down. Who cares if somebody thinks you're fat or thin? It doesn't make any difference. You know, you know what you've got. You know, after all my texts and emails yesterday, I don't think any of my friends care in the slightest what I look like. 
They couldn't give a flying forex whether I'm fat, thin, got hair, haven't got hair. It does seem to be a well-known sort of way of picking on me, but I don't care. Seriously, my, my shoulders are very broad. Very, very broad indeed. I've, I've, I've been in the business long enough not to worry about silly little people who've got no life who sort of want to write about you on the internet. You think, well, good for you. Just keep talking about me. Keep talking about it. The happier I become. The happier I become. I absolutely love it. I love it. The, the, the more you talk about me, the more I get, you know, the, the more money I get. So, in fact, it's, it's doing me, you know, really a lot of favours. So, thank you very much indeed. Uh, there's an off-duty nurse here saving a dead knifing victim. That's all she wanted to do. She said, I didn't look at it as being a hero. I saw a man who needed help. And, uh, and so she helped him. And that's what she did. That's the heroes. That's the heroes in this country. These are the people who sort of do it. She didn't think about anything else. I was off duty. Some people go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm off duty. I'm not doing anything at all. Uh, Helen Mirren again in her showy off period. Aren't you bored with seeing pictures of Helen Blummin' Mirren? All right, you're 71 and you look good and you've got loads of outfits, but for God's sake, dear, give it a rest. You're becoming as boring as the Blooming Beckhams. Didn't think it could be that boring. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, this is... Um, this is, this is, oh, the school's bikini body class for girls of 11. For 11. Because you do see them, don't you, in the mornings. You know, you actually, you see people in the morning, the kids in the Starbucks. And there's always the little fat kid who's ordered the thing with all the cream and the chocolate and the crushed nuts and sprinkles and all the rest of it. And the other kids just stand there with their mouths open going... I wish I had money to buy something like that. But there again, I'm thin and gorgeous, so it doesn't really make any difference. It's very tempting, isn't it? Very te- they had a thing the other day. It was in Starbucks. It was a banana kind of drink. I don't know what it is, but I like banana drinks, banana lollies. I used to drink banana yoghurt. They used to do a banana drinking yoghurt. And I used to think, oh, God, that was delicious. And there used to be a place near Kew Bridge. It was one of those sort of used to be a Kentucky Fried Chicken, but then not anymore. So it becomes something like, you know, Happy Chicken or Favourite Chicken or, you know, God's Own Chicken or something. And, uh, and it's generally cheap quality chicken. But I used to go in there for spare ribs because they were lovely. I love spare ribs. And they used to do this drinking yoghurt. And it was, uh, was banana flavour. It was absolutely delicious. I could taste it now. I could see it now. And in the boot of my car and in my refrigerator, I've got some drinking yogurts. So, um, oh, I, don't know. I wish I could drive home now and go and get one. <laughs> but there you go. Anyway, nice to be uh, with you this morning. Nice to have you part of the spike. Nice to be part of the bigger audience for Steve Allen's early breakfast. 14 to 5. After the break, we'll be talking to LBC's aviation analyst for more information on this Egypt air flight. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, every 11 minutes to 5. So let's find out some more details on this flight which has gone missing. This is Egypt Air's flight MS804 from Paris to Cairo. Joining us now is LBC's aviation analyst, Alex Macheris. Alex, good morning. Good morning, Steve. So have you... Did somebody say that you've spoken to somebody in Cairo already? Yes, I have. Yeah, that's correct. Um, just during the outbreak there. Um, so in terms of what we know at the moment, obviously it's still very early days in terms of information. However, you know, this is what we do know, fact. So like we said, this was an Egypt Air aircraft. We've had confirmation just now that it was an Airbus A320. So what's significant there is actually this is a very modern aircraft. It's an Airbus. It's one that if we've ever flown EasyJet or an airline like that, we've mm. definitely been on this aircraft. So this aircraft would have been young, uh, and uh, we know that it left Paris at about 11 last night. Now, this is a typical red-eye flight, a night flight, 
from Paris to Cairo. We then understand that apparently as it entered uh, Egypt airspace is then when the aircraft disappeared from radar. That's what the airline is saying. Hmm. And, uh, and, then, uh, and that's really it, actually. After that, we don't know much more other than the manifest. And so they're saying there's about 59 passengers, so quite a light load, and 10 crew members. How, how likely is it, Alex, that a plane just vanishes from radar? It was flying at, what, 37,000 feet. It was a, it was a few miles into, uh, into Egyptian airspace. I mean, I mean, could it be a computer glip? Or are we, you know, erring on the side of caution and going, it could be something more serious? I mean, yeah, like I said, aircraft don't, don't, you know, just vanish. And yet people would say, well, actually, you're contradicting yourself because... There's still a missing Malaysia Airlines plane flying somewhere around the globe with 200 plus on board. So, you know, it's really difficult to to say in terms of the safety record for that aircraft. It's incredibly high. You know, that it's such a safe aircraft. I meet regularly with Airbus and, you know, everything is the latest technology. So these things don't just fall out of the sky as such. And even Um, if it did just fall out of the sky, it would still be trackable, wouldn't it? It would, yeah, we'd see, you know, uh, even just then, you know, just you and me can track this aircraft uh, while it was flying on our phones. And we can see, oh, it's at 37,000 feet, you know, it's flying here. And uh, sometimes, you know, they they descend dramatically for whatever reason, say a pressure issue. And uh, I, I can watch it live on my radar. So like you said, you know, it, it's not these, it's not one of these things that just disappears, not one of the things that just happen. Hmm. Uh, I guess we have to wait and find out as to uh, as more details emerge. So it's it's two. It was two hours uh, a while ago, late in arriving. Two hours is quite a long time in aviation times, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it, it's quite. Uh, I find that firstly quite unusual that two hours sort of went by and. Uh, it hadn't surfaced on the, online yet. The aircraft hadn't arrived. This could be partly because of the really light load on board. So if there was only 60 passengers, this is an aircraft that seats about 220. Mm. So, you know, there, there wouldn't have been many media reports that uh, actually we've heard from some that an aircraft hasn't arrived. But don't forget, this is Egypt Air, who just uh, last month, the month before, had that weird hijacking story where a guy managed to get the plane to hijack uh, to and divert to mm. Cyprus because he wanted to speak to an ex. Yes, I remember that very well indeed. So, how how much longer do we? I mean, what what would be the the time span? What would they now be doing? Would they be sending another plane to follow the same route to see if they could see anything? Well, now that it would it's a search and rescue coordination that would be initiated. So, uh, and there, there's emphasis on the rescue because they would hope that if anything had happened to that aircraft, which it very much likely seems something has happened to mm. it, then hopefully, of course, there would be survivors. So it would be a search and rescue initially, um, and then as more details emerge, and, and as the morning goes on, then depending on, you know, the situation, they kind of go from there. You'd think they'd actually have something up immediately, two hours late. You know, after an hour late, you'd think they'd be instigating some sort of search, wouldn't you? You would, I mean, but in history, it always works like this. It's that it's an awful thing we imagine. I mean, with an Air France one, there was a very famous crash between um, Rio and Paris. And the relatives that were waiting in Paris were standing at the screen where the aircraft on the monitor, all the family were waiting in arrivals, and it said, yep, the aircraft is on its way. And the aircraft had actually crashed hours before. So it, it is typical 
this gap that you said like two to three hours where actually the airline needs to prepare and, and focus on and get their head around what's going on first and then they let the media know and, and it goes from there. All right, Alex, nice to talk to you. Thank you for that. Alex Macheras, LBC's aviation analyst. No doubt we'll be catching up with him later if the story develops. So just in case you've just joined us, this is an Egypt Air flight. This is MS-804. Normally, as, as Alex said, it would carry about 220 passengers. There's 59 on board and 10 crew members flying at 37,000 feet. Took off at the, uh, the normal time, about 11 o'clock local time at Charles de Gaulle. Uh, left Paris there, and then just as it goes into Egyptian airspace, it, it vanishes. The airline tweeted it had just gone in, because, I mean, they, they monitor these things all the way through, flying at 37,000 feet, and it's disappeared from radar. Now, in the back of my mind, there's something saying this plane has either crashed or it's been brought down. There's, the, 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 there is one or two options on this one. It's not just vanished into thin air, although there is a Malaysian flight floating around there, the ghost flight, I think, of the skies, which just vanished completely. So we'll let you know. I mean, they, they've all got very sophisticated radar tracking. That's why it's always, always seems impossible to me when, when things actually go missing. So we'll have, a, we'll have a chat about that a little bit later on this morning. If things develop, you'll hear it first on LBC. And uh, look forward to... Uh, to telling you about that a bit later on. Five to five is the time. Uh, the Polish girl complained about racism at school. I've never heard of Polish people complaining about racism. I thought they were the most integrated people you could ever find. I mean, everywhere you go now, all the, all the girls who work in our Starbucks, they're all Polish. I can't imagine anybody who would be racist towards somebody. I don't know why. I, well, I, I don't quite get racism anyway. But anyway, and so this, this girl has been found dead two years after she complained about racism. Uh, the ambulance crews rushed to the, uh, the school in, uh, in Cornwall, but she was confirmed dead at the scene and a probe is now underway. I mean, you know, speaking on the, uh, the popular Q&A site, uh, when she was 14, she was asked if she had any problems at school and she said racism. Uh, her father didn't want to talk about it yesterday. You can well imagine. It must be absolutely heartbreaking for the family. Uh, and we don't know what else. There might, it could have been all sorts of uh, things. Until we get the results of that, uh, I think we'll just uh, express immense sympathy to the family. Lovely-looking girl, lovely-looking girl. But I just didn't think that racism went on in schools anymore. If a plane is blown up, it disappears off radar and tracking in a split second. Seven minutes later, says Pete, the debris would be scattered in the ocean. Well, it was in Egyptian airspace. We don't know anything else about it. I mean, if if somebody was bringing it down, we don't know. Or if uh, they had a glip with their computer. But it would still be able to track it. There isn't just the one thing on board that can track a plane. There's quite a number of uh, things on there. And two hours late coming in. Two hours late coming in. Uh, Freeview have launched a phone line for customers desperate to talk about their favourite TV shows. And uh, so people can catch up on whatever uh, sort of episode they're actually watching. Lord. I did look at that diamond. Did you look at that that diamond? Oh, that's quite nice. That's a scorpion. Oh, the scorpion is... Is the scorpion holding the diamond or something? I don't quite understand. I was looking at all these diamonds... And, uh, and this one's just fetched some huge amount of money. Huge amount of money. And look, it just looks like a piece of cut glass. Doesn't look, it doesn't really... What do you do if you've got something that expensive? Something that's worth about 57 million? You can't exactly go out wearing it, can you? You never get any insurance. They'd have to say, no, you can't wear the, uh, the diamond today because of, uh, because of in- insurance costs. You can only take it out, but in fact, you'll have to take out a paste copy. Imagine a paste copy. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, 
Uh, Steve, sorry to hear about your emergency. Luckily, my wife is asleep. She and her friends ban the use of the word toilet. Only loo or lavatory is acceptable. Really? Oh, I never thought about that, actually. (laughs) I've always called it the toilet. It's the toilet. Going to the toilet. Going to the lavatory. But then it's like people have different names for their bits, don't they? Everybody has different names. You know, you sort of grew up with sort of people and they say, so-and-so say, oh, I've got so-and-so-and-so. And you go, oh, right. Is that what you call it? And it turns out the parents had different names for it. And, uh, and I think there were girl names and then there were boy names as well. And uh, I don't know if it was a, some secret language that your parents invented. So you could actually talk about your willy. Uh, but nobody knew you were talking about your willy except your parents. And uh, I think the, the funniest I ever heard was a Joseph and Mary. <laughs> just, just seemed quite appropriate at the time, doesn't it? Can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Can't believe I said it at this time of the morning. It's only coming up to five o'clock, so it doesn't really matter. We haven't had our breakfast yet, have we? Uh, in the sun this morning, um, uh, David Walliams has got a book out. I can't work out if David Walliams is mad as a broomstick or he's the most normal person I know. I, I really can't work that out at all. Uh, also, there's a student who accused a married Man City striker of fathering her child, then dumping her. Well, tough on you, Courtney. I'm sorry, dear. You shouldn't have slept with him in the first place. You knew he was married. What are you, stupid? He got he got me pregnant and then dumped me. Well, ha, ha, ha. You know, I mean, that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard. And then goes bleating to the paper. She claims she had a fling with the £28 million dad of two, which ended when he discovered she was pregnant. So what are you doing? Having unprotected sex? More stupid than you look. Good God, you knew he was married and you go off with a married man and then moan about the fact that when you were pregnant, he dumped you. Duh? Duh? Really dumb? Really dumb? Unbelievable. Coming up to the news at uh, five o'clock. What was the other story we had? Oh, the the Joey Essex story uh, gets into all the papers today because he didn't know who Prince Philip was. I mean, he really can't. Are you sure he's been in for an education in this country? He turned up at the Arkiva Awards yesterday and sort of mumbled something in his sort of Joey Essex little boy speak. And I remember sitting there thinking... God in heaven, you're mad as a fruitcake, aren't you? You really are. Join the stars and help campaign to end this Chinese cruelty. It's a festival where they they kill dogs. They're selling dogs. They're selling dogs for meat. It's like, I suppose, somebody standing there holding cows or sheep or rabbits or anything else, but they do it with dogs. They don't see them as anything else apart from meat. We see them as dogs. You'll be shocked by this report. Ricky Gervais is not at all happy, as you can well imagine. And uh, sack for the crash PC. That and more coming next. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Thursday, the 19th of May. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. I'm just looking at the tracking of that Egypt air flight which has gone missing. You know, it's two years since that Malaysian air flight went missing. Again, over the ocean. This one, it, the line finishes. You can track it online. And so it's gone from Paris to Cairo, middle of the Mediterranean, vanishes. Vanishes. Now, I don't know how deep the Mediterranean is at that particular moment, but surely that's where you go to. If this thing's coming out of the sky, and whether it's an explosion or whether the radar fa- I don't know if the radar failed, that wouldn't stop it. But it's got to be something, hasn't it? And also hardly worth hijacking with 59 passengers on board. It holds 220. 59 passengers, 10 crew, and it's vanished. Two hours late coming in to Cairo, and the line just stops. It just disappeared from radar. So now they'll have to launch search and rescue, as you heard a moment ago. And uh, whenever we uh, hear anything, we'll let you know first on LBC. Uh, Other stories in the paper today. There's a a schoolboy who rescued a dog 
That doesn't sound that exciting, does it? But actually, he's a, he's a very clever schoolboy. This is Bradley North. Because uh, he, this is this big dog, and it tried to jump through a van window on a hot day. What idiot leaves a dog like that? I can't imagine, but I think we've got a rough idea. It was a French Mastiff, and the dog started choking because the lead didn't go far enough. The dog thought he could obviously leap out, and he couldn't. So this schoolboy lifted up the, uh, the dog and uh, took the dog passed out. The schoolboy saved its life, effectively. He then revived it by stroking its chest. Uh, Bradley has a staffy. He says, I felt sorry for him. Uh, I want somebody to save my life. Uh, anyway, the owner returned 15 minutes later in Manchester. What sort of complete person would ever leave a dog on a hot day in a van of that size? What a stu- They should be prosecuted. Prosecuted immediately. Anyway, the boy's dad said he did well. He did do well. He saved that dog's life. Because if somebody else had left it, you don't know if that dog's going to bite you or anything like that. It's a big dog. Big dog, and it was in a white van. I rest my case, as they say. So who are the people who go to Cannes and um, they don't watch the movies? They're just there to have their pictures taken. I don't quite understand, you know, why Kendall Jenner uh, will be there. Uh, she didn't go to the premiere. Kate Moss didn't actually go to the film. Misha Barton. I mean, Cheryl Spagbol was that. What are you doing there, darling? You're not in the movies. Go away. Shoo! This is for movie people. It's not for people like you. It was ridiculous. Eva Longoria. Victoria. What was Victoria Beckham doing there? I'm sorry, are you in a movie or something, love? Have I missed this? You're not in a movie. Go away. Go away. Stop bustling in on somebody else's, you know, films. They just sort of, they just go there, don't they? Eva Longoria. I mean, I don't think she's worked for ages, has she? She was in Desperate Housewives. And, and that was years ago, as we discovered, about four years ago. And, uh, and since then, she just sort of hangs around Victoria Beckham. I don't quite really understand it at all, but there you go. I'm sure that, you know, all will become, you know, uh, will become available to you. We've got another holiday at the end of this month, haven't we? It's another May Bank holiday, which is very nice. I've got so many things to do this week. I'm trying to, so, trying to get my life in order after yesterday. And I've suddenly realised I've got to do my VAT at some point over the next... When it's going to happen, I've got no idea. So I get myself into these pickles and all of a sudden it starts piling up on top of me. Uh, Peter, he says, uh, surely after bringing 200,000... 200, New spikers, you will get that pay rise. <laughs> yes. And, um, yeah, I don't know, actually. It'd be nice if you got sort of, you know, a pound for every single new listener that came in, because uh, with the new figures for LBC, and looking at the, the gap which has now widened between me and all the other radio stations, I'm even happier about it. Would have been disastrous if all of a sudden it had dropped down for no reason apart from it just drops down. But I quite like the idea that it's gone up again, and so the, uh, the spike at four o'clock in the morning is still very much in evidence and it's still there streaking away so that's all thanks to you all thanks to you thank you very much indeed for it uh, straight up to Longacre Neil's Yard they've got an Italian ice cream shop any flavour into a smoothie oh you sure you see I don't think smoothies are any good for diabetics I think they're really bad it's just it's the biggest concentration of, of sugar that you can get uh, I mean, I, I do like yoghurt. And I did used to eat frozen yoghurt some years ago. And that was quite nice. I, I pretended to myself that it was healthy. But uh, I, I don't think it uh, it was. Uh, Steve, didn't Sarah Khan present an ITV show with the money expert Martin helping people with household budget? She might have done. I don't think she should really be on the front pages of the papers. I love the way that we, we, we bandy that word around in this country, don't we? She's a television star. No, she's not. She's just a panellist on Loose Women who uh, lets her husband go off and have sex with other women. You don't think, actually, maybe she's had to do this story because one of the women he's slept with is going to sell the story that I've slept with Sarah Khan's 
husband. Do you think that could be it? She said she's still in love with him, but uh, I just don't want to have sex with him. So she said he can have sex with other women. Strikes me as you're going down very deep. Isn't that called wife swapping? Isn't that called a little bit tacky? I think so. Uh, a lot of other people telling me about ice cream shops. I do like an ice cream, actually. I like a Mr Whippy. Years ago, we used to have Mr Whippy, and that was delicious. And, uh, and we do have an ice cream van in uh, in Twickenham. And if I can be bothered, I will have an ice cream every so often. But it's it's very rare. Fact, tell you what I discovered the other day. We went to Iceland, the shop, as opposed to the country. And we bought 12 cones. You know those, um, what do they call them? It's sort of, it's got the cone with the ice cream and then... No, it's not a 99, but it's something like a 99. It's not a king cone. They call it... This is a strawberry. It's not a mivy. It's a cone with the ice cream in the top and then a sort of a thing over the... Oh, I can't describe what it is. It's a, there was a name for it, and I can't remember what we called them. They're, they're ice cream cones with the ice cream in there. You don't have to put the ice cream in. It's already... It's pre-made. They're called a cornetto. That's it. I knew there was the word I couldn't remember this morning. God, it's finally arrived. Dementia's here already. It's only blooming Thursday morning and already it's set in. Yeah, a cornetto. How much do you think... We bought six chocolate and six strawberry cornettos. So that's 12 cornettos. How much in Iceland? Go on. Here you go, mums. This is one for you. 15 quid. Don't be so ridiculous. You've never been to Iceland quite clearly. There's nothing there. Two pounds. A pound for six, for 12. Two pounds for... When he came back, we sent, we sent, uh, we sent uh, the young guy over there to go and get them. And he came back and I gave him a fiver. I said, just get some, some Cornettos. And he came back with two boxes, a box of chocolate and a box of strawberry. And he gave me eight pounds back. I said, have you pinched them? Thinking he might have done. And he hadn't. And it was, it was a pound for six. A pound for six. You can't even make them for that price. I was terribly impressed. You watch all the mums going, right, that's it. We're getting down to Iceland. Fill up the freezer with things like that because it's always useful in the summer. So the kids get ice cream with a bit of sauce on the top of it. I mean, it's just an ice cream. You can get 10 lollies for a pound in there. They're ever so cheap in their ice cream department. 15 pounds. 15 pounds. Yeah, Jamie Oliver, very unhappy. But it's, it's, the trouble is I don't like their vegetables in Iceland. Just one of those sort of things. But, uh, but the, the, uh, the Cornettos were very good value. Very good value indeed. I was a bit excited by that. I don't get excited very often, as you can tell if you listen to the programme on a regular basis. Uh, so in the Whiddle Lane, and uh, this is a new device, easing the misery of motorists. It's called the He We Go Active. He, we, go, active, OK? It's being touted for any man who needs to pee without going to the bathroom. Oh, have you seen how much this is? I'm not buying one now. How much do you think these are? Here we go, you and your... Pr- I'm not going to bother asking you. £149. That's a lot of money for... Um, it, it can be put on in the morning and worn all day. Oh, a fashion accessory. And uh, the wearer puts their bits into one of three different size pocket things... Three different just in case you're sm- It sounds a bit like a catheter. It's sounding horrible, isn't it? He then wheezed through a small tube into a washable and tear-resistant plastic bag, which can hold a pint. A pint! I can wee two pints by myself. And it goes down your leg. It's going to make walking around a bit sloshy-washy, isn't it? I don't like the sound of this at all. The device is sure to interest motorists who've endured the agony of busting for a wee whilst trapped in traffic. Yeah, but when it's no good sort of sitting in traffic, you go, I really need a wee. I've left it at home. You're stuck, aren't you, then? 
Apparently, the container can be increased with a larger fluid bag that is strapped to your thigh. You look slightly odd, isn't it, when you're walking down the road? Dear me. Comes with an adjustable support belt. It's being held as a huge help for disabled or elderly men who may struggle to get up and go. So, in other words, if your Uncle Albert's just sitting there and every and all of a sudden a big smile comes onto his face, he's going to the toilet. Remember that one? Used to be that joke, didn't it? Imagine if you... Well, apparently it's burst-free. It can't, it can't burst. Well, well, they say that. I mean, um, £149 seems a lot of money for a little sort of sheath-type thing. Or big sheath type thing, and a bit of tubing. I mean, to be honest with you, isn't it just easier to wet yourself in the car? Isn't it easier? You know, why why sort of sit there going, I really need to... I've done it, and you know the worst thing is, if you're with people, they always try and make you go, don't they? They go, oh, mountain streams and water and reservoirs. Oh, shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut up. I don't want to know about things like that at all. But you do worry about it, don't you? I do. I've, I've been there before. I've, I've worried about that. I've sat in the car and I've thought, I'm not sure I can go much further. And you don't know what to do if you're sitting in the middle of London in the car in a traffic jam. What, what do you do? The answer is you just have to sort of park the car up and run, I suppose. Although you're frightened to run, aren't you, at the same time? <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, delicious. Need that cup of coffee this morning. Come on, if you're not up yet, you need to get up. We're bringing you up to date with uh, with all the news headlines very, very shortly. Uh, lovely moment the other day, Steve. Uh, this is Oh, this is from Mark, who says, James O'Brien was congratulating you uh, during his show regarding your Lifetime Achievement Award, and he played your story about the Chinese in your lap. He said he loved you, but not to tell you. He kissed me yesterday. I was going to write to the wife. I was going to say it's all over. It's all finished now. Kids will have to be farmed out somewhere else. It'll be dreadful. But <laughs> he did. He came in and kissed me. I thought, this is very odd. I don't... Have I what? I haven't emailed HR. I have started composing a letter. Because I find it quite disconcerting. I'm not really a huggy type person. I don't do sort of that, that sort of bodily contact thing. But yesterday there was a lot of it going on around here. Seriously. I've, I've made a note of names and which department they work in. It's mainly around here in this station here. Dave Berry and all these other people around, they're all doing to try and do huggy-huggies, and I'm, I'm not really in favour of it at all. It's all very odd. Uh, early goal for Lineker's lad, and this is... Uh, and they all look the same, and they've all got the same sticky-out ears. They've all got the same ears. George was the dreary one. Every time They were trying to fix him up with women for ages and ages, but apparently he's now hugely successful. But uh, this is the other one. This is budding filmmaker Harry, who's slightly peculiar. He was wearing... his pic- pictured here with a baseball cap on backwards. I mean, they've got to be peculiar. His father's going to present Match of the Day in his pants. Do you think it will be his pants, or they'll have to find something that... Because I suspect that sort of Gary Lineker probably wears a thong or something like that. that. So they'll have to stick him in a pair of boxer shorts. But as I say, if you really want embarrassment, watch the crisp adverts. Watch anything like that. That's a fine thing. And so he did this um, Lester's Impossible Dream, which aired Tuesday. It's a film for television. He managed to, to get an assistant producer credit whilst working on a BBC programme, despite only being a trainee. Uh, a BBC spokesman said Harry was not an employee and had not been paid by the corporation. So there you go. But, of course, they have to try and milk it. It's not as bad as the Beckhams, is it? A picture in the paper today of, uh, of Brooklyn uh, trying to say, why would this girl he's going out with be remotely interested? He's just a schoolboy. He has no particular talent for doing anything at all, but they do like exposing him, don't they? It's the other two kids I feel sorry for. They don't actually, they don't actually sort of get any of the any of the publicity. Uh, Phil says, try the the trucker's favourite. You know, the, because the the here we go active is one hundred and forty nine pound. The trucker's favourite is an empty bottle of Paul Masson. 
Lovely. <laughs> Not sure about that one, unless it's got a particularly wide neck. Anyway, leaving that to one side, we don't want to think about that, do we? Because it's uh, quarter past five-ish. Andrew Castle, Katie Hopkins and Tom Swarbrick. The new sound of weekends on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 5.20 is uh, the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Sorry? Latest. Ah, the uh, the latest on the Egypt Air. This is Missing Flight MS-804. OK, this is the one that took off at about um, nine minutes past 11 from Charles de Gaulle. And uh, then it vanished 37,000 feet uh, and just disappeared. Ten miles into Egyptian airspace. Three hours ago now. It's three hours ago. And apparently an Egypt Air executive says the missing flight didn't put out any distress call. Now, that worries me slightly, because if a plane is in trouble, it generally puts out and they uh, and they uh, sort of activate all sorts of things on board the aircraft. So that, that worries me a little bit, that there was no distress call. It just ceased to exist. It just ceased to exist on the radar. So now, now it's three hours overdue, 59 passengers, 10 crew members. It, we know it was over the Mediterranean. I've seen the uh, the tracking on that one. And it's very interesting, very, very interesting to see where it actually could have disappeared to. Because if it just stops midair, now normally planes, if they, if they lose radar or their engines cut out or something like that, they can glide, apparently, for about 20-odd miles. So that's why the Malaysian air, aircraft was a little bit difficult. If it was an explosion... If it was an explosion on board, whether it was a timed explosion or the plane malfunctioned or something like that, which is highly unlikely, uh, then there would be bits of it that would wash up. It would it would sink and then it would break up or it would be broken up anyway in mid-flight. So at the moment, we don't know. I don't even know. I can't even tell you if they've launched the uh, the search and rescue. But I'm assuming they must have done something three hours. I mean, I would have thought an hour. They've just started, have they? I mean, I would have thought an hour into it not being, uh, not, not arriving and it disappearing and no distress call. Somebody would have checked it. They, they, they check these things all the time. Here it is, here it is, here it is. Wait a minute. And then they, they call the flight and they don't get any response. There was no distress call. It's not looking very promising, but you'll hear it first on LBC. So that's flight MS-804. It's an Airbus 320 plane. Went missing and has disappeared 10 miles into Egyptian airspace three hours ago. 59 passengers, 10 crew members. It was over the Mediterranean. Any uh, developments? You will hear them first on LBC. Uh, 84850, steve at Absolutely everything uh, that you send in, we read out, unless you're particularly stupid, in which case we just delete you and you have to go back to back to Silly Boy's chair, I think. Uh, the takeaway shops that Darren got some mileage out of this one last night uh, are people saying that you're supposed to... If you've got seating in there, there is supposed to be some sort of toilet facility and because there would have to be a toilet facility in these places like Subway or Greggs I think it's a Greggs that they're looking at at the moment because I think a lot of the Greggs are going to change they're going to do away with um, cakes and stuff like that and bread they're just going to be selling takeaway food or sit-down food and I'm assuming that the staff must have a toilet as well apparently the law says you only need toilets if you have 10 or more seats well, I mean, most, I mean, how many? Who would have less than ten seats? I mean, that's only three tables, isn't it? I mean, I would think that you know they should have a toilet because let's face it, the staff must have a toilet. Otherwise, where do they go? So there must be a toilet. Also, the trouble you've then got to employ somebody. If it's a food place, it's got to be kept particularly clean. 
And I've been in some places. Garages was sort of the classic one. Can I use the toilet? No, I'm sorry. Out of order. No, it's not. No, it's not. You have to provide a toilet at a garage. Do you? Why do you? Years ago, you could go into a garage and use the toilet. I don't think I've ever seen a toilet facility in a garage that's actually open. It's generally got the clothes because the staff use it. And the staff aren't as hygienic as you might like to think they are. Uh, I did get it wrong, Richard. Thank you for pointing it out to me. There we are. There's an admittance. You don't hear that very often on the programme. Yes, when I, when I sent the lad off with a fiver and got £8 change, it was a tenner. Actually, it was a tenner. <laughs> It would be very good, wouldn't it, to send somebody off with a fiver and you get eight quid back and you get 12 cornettos. I mean, that's good. Even if you find a loo in London, Steve, you can't park outside to use it. We've had loads, says Kevin the Milkman, of parking fines from cameras and camera cars for answering a call of nature in public toilets on the round. Uh, And when you do find some, it's ridiculous. Can't we make the camera car drivers wait all day to use the loo? I mean, I, I just, I agree with you. I think it's like women. I don't think women can hold it as long as men can, but it does get to that stage when you get a bit older, as we know, Kevin, that you think, I really need to go now. So I'm not at all surprised that men, and we've seen it in all the carry-on films, where they sort of, they jump out of somewhere, they go running behind trees. I think they did it on Carry On At Your Convenience, where (coughs) they they go for a day trip to Brighton. Hilarious. And on the way back, they've all been drinking so much beer, they have to go to toilets, they pull in, and people run behind trees. Everybody used to do it. As kiddies, you do it. As kiddies, you did it on the beach. Come on, how many people? How many people? Come on, hands up, all of you, all of you. You go in the water, need to go to the toilet. You're not getting out, are you? You're going to jump up and down every time a wave comes near you. And you're going to wee that way. That's that's what happened. You don't get out there and go, I'm going to go and find a toilet, Mum. You know, another two miles down the beach that way. No, you're going to wee in the water. Unfortunately, you can't do that in swimming pools. Because now... Uh, in, in swimming pools, they've got this, this coloured dye. And if you've got this uh, coloured dye, uh, it shows up, which is good. And uh, Connor says, well done on the award. I never mention it. I hardly ever mention that award, you know. <laughs> and uh, he says, will we be seeing you on television soon? I hope not. I hope not. Andrew says, the we in a bag gadget, not a great look with shorts in the summer. Yes, of course, I never thought about that. People do drive in in shorts, don't they? Imagine. What was he doing? But, I mean, you know, it's, it's like having a catheter fitted, isn't it? I suppose. <laughs> but the Steve Allen chat show. God, no, definitely not. He's, I'm sure there'll be a, a vacancy soon on Channel 5. Oh, yes, I see there being a vacancy very quickly. There's no chance they're going to recommission that Ryland rubbish, are they? Good God in heaven. I mean, that, that has to be just about the worst thing that we've ever seen on television. I mean, the, the, the worst thing about him is he just cannot... He cannot... String two words together. He cannot interview. And the whole basis of a, of a chat show is that you can interview. Watch, watch all the experts on the television. Listen to them on the radio. But uh, poor old Ryland. I mean, a rank amateur. Rank amateur. So, I mean, will they have to force takeaways? I mean, have you ever been in a takeaway where they have toilet? No, me neither. Me neither. But they've ruled in favour of Hull's objection... If the ruling stands, thousands of takeaways could have to install bathroom facilities for their customers. And then, of course, you could complain, couldn't you? You go into a takeaway and the toilet is filthy dirty. Well, you contact the local council and go, excuse me, this is a food place. The toilets are filthy. They could close them down left, right and centre. Mind you, I'm led to believe in certain parts of the country you could close down these facilities. 
you could definitely close down these uh, facilities. It would be quite an easy thing to do. The, the standards are disgusting in some places. Absolutely disgusting. I don't know about four in a bed. Have you seen some of those programs? I do like that four in a bed program. I like watching the tactical ways some of these people play. And they play very tactically. Uh, and one of them, it was a £90 underpayment. This is, incidentally, people who own bed and breakfasts, the length and breadth of this good land of ours. And they... Um, and they sort of have other people going around who've also got bed and breakfast. And then they mark them, you know, scores on the doors, out of ten. What was it like? Were you welcomed? Was it good value for money? What was the breakfast like? Was the room? And they literally strip the rooms when they go in there. Have you ever been in a hotel room and started stripping the bed? No, me neither. But these people throw back the duvets or whatever else it is. Oh, look, there's a hair on there. There's a mark on the mattress. Good God in heaven. You have to accept the fact that hundreds of people have slept on your mattress before you did. They don't change mattresses every five minutes. Although, to be honest with you, if you're actually doing that four-in-a-bed programme, it could be advantageous to bring in brand-new mattresses for the day. Because, you know, any one of the people who've been on the programme, they go, oh, look, there's the stains on the mattress. And you go, well, it's probably from people like you. But one of these rooms was 290 quid, and he paid 200. It was quite clearly tactical, and uh, I had to turn it off. I don't like tactical voting on this. I mean, it, it just drives me mad. Funny at the same time, because the programme's interesting. And some of the, these houses they go round to, which have been converted, are so ghastly. So ghastly. But we're supposed to be famous for bed and breakfast uh, in this country. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, actually, whether or not that's true, because I've only ever stayed in a few bed and breakfasts. And they weren't bad. Uh, will the shop staff wash their hands, says Les? I shouldn't think so. Why would they? Different people have different uh, different standards of hygiene. They don't do it. Uh, did you ever, says James in the Isle of Wight, sort out the fan that spins but nothing comes out? No. I looked at it yesterday. It's spinning round. It seems to be doing all the right things. And so I might have to try and dismantle it. It's very odd. It's very odd. It's almost like... Buying, you know, a, a, um, a, a little plastic thing of bubbles and blowing like and no bubbles, which, of course, can be absolutely dreadful. And so you kind of I don't know what it is. It's 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 whirling round at the right speed. It's doing all the right things. I don't think it's going backwards because I put my hand at the back of the, uh, the fan and it doesn't seem to make any difference at all. Any difference at all. So I don't know what's going on with it. I will sort it out. Listen, after the uh, after the news. LBC's aviation analyst, Alex Machiris, will bring us the latest on this. Egypt Airflight, MS804, it's, uh, it's gone missing. And it's missing uh, into airspace. It's three hours, three hours and a bit now, late arriving at Cairo. It just vanished from radar. So we'll have uh, the latest update on that after the news. It's 5.30. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. We'll have a chat in a moment to LBC's aviation analyst, Alex Macheris, on the missing Egypt uh, air flight, MS-804. Just vanished. Completely vanished. No distress calls, no nothing. Normally, if an engine's failing, uh, they will issue a distress call. But on this particular occasion, nothing at all. Took off, I think, about nine minutes later than its time slot from Charles de Gaulle Airport. Uh, it then went on its usual journey. Uh, once it got inside Egypt airspace, heading for Cairo, just over the Mediterranean, it vanished. And we're still looking for a Malaysian air flight, which vanished, and that was two years ago. And they thought they'd found bits of it, and they weren't sure they'd found bits of it. It's amazing how a flight, the Malaysian air flight, had over 200 people on it. They just vanish. They just vanish. It's, it's almost as if, you know, some vast chasm opens up. In this particular instant, this is a... Uh, a flight that's capable of holding about 220 people. It had 60 on board, 59, plus 10 air crew. There was no uh, 
there was no distress call made. There was no nothing at all. It just clicked off radar and just went completely. So we'll have a we'll have a check with him in a moment on if there's any updates. I'm assuming the SC rescue search has begun. And they will start in the last place. I mean, you would think somebody would see something, wouldn't you? You know, one minute... I mean, I'm sure if, if the plane was flying over... I live quite near Heathrow Airport, and there's planes flying over. And there'd be people who live in some of these regions. And this, you know, it, it seemed to pass over the coast. And then it vanished. Somebody somewhere would see this thing. They make noises, these planes. This is a huge Airbus. This is a huge Airbus. It would be coming down with some force. Somebody somewhere would see it and then make a phone call. I'm assuming, but this one appears to have vanished as well. So more details coming up very, very shortly. Uh, My husband could sleep with other women because I've gone off sex. Reveals the woman who lost on The Apprentice. And uh, now she does loose women and she's done a few other little bits and pieces. And she said that... um, He's, it's a, it's a, probably a very common sort of story. I don't really think anybody's interested in hearing about it. And so she said, you know, we used to have a great sex life. And, um, and so she talked about this on the ITV chat show, uh, saying that I, I've said he can sleep with other women because I've gone off sex. So I assumed it was all cut and dried. Apparently not. Mr Hyde last night denied he has any such arrangement with his wife. However, he declined to comment when asked why she would make the claims on national television if they're not true. So, in other words, she makes these claims on Loose Women, the programme that brings you foul-mouthed 14-year-old children, and then they contact him and say, so how do you feel about your wife saying we have this arrangement? And he's gone, we don't have any arrangement like that. (laughs) Who do you believe? Um, He's always been clear about how attractive he finds his wife. He says uh, she's got a great body. She turns a lot of blokes' heads whenever she works out. She likes showing off with sexy, stylish clothes. You don't see this as some sort of attention def- deficiency, do you? Somebody who's sort of going through an insecure period in their life and sort of makes something up to make themselves a bit more interesting. You know, I've said to my husband, you can go and go and meet other people if you want. Well, that's not a marriage. Why don't you just divorce him? Have done with it. It's very silly carrying on. And then talking about it on television. But in- instead of being shocked... Colleen Nolan, this is the woman who is also struggling as well in the marriage department. She's constantly going on about Ray and how things have never been uh, great. Uh, Anyway, uh, Colleen Nolan agrees she's got a much lower sex drive as she gets older. And she's certainly getting older. Miss Nolan, who's been married to husband Ray for almost a decade, says, you don't always fancy it, and then it takes 20 seconds to get in the mood, and sometimes another 20 to do it. Of course, that's the ideal topic of conversation for Colleen Nolan. She can't talk about anything else. It's a little bit disappointing. Uh, Two in five animal lovers take pet-ernity leave. Because people now become... In fact, there are quite a number of stories about dogs and cats in the paper today. Some good, some not so good. Apparently, nearly half people, two in five pet owners, uh, have taken time off or pulled a sickie by feigning illness to care for their pet in an emergency. Four out of five animal lovers have either asked or would ask bosses for more flexible hours or the ability to work from home to spend more time with their pet. Then they used to have, I can't, I can't remember if we had it here or we had it somewhere else, and it was bring your dog to work day. And so people would turn, it's like dress down Friday for the, some of the schools. Some of the schools have sort of dress down Friday. Uh, Dennis says, I'm lying on top of the bed in King's Cross and having a chuckle to myself. Uh, it's a good thing they don't give gold awards out posthumously, just like sainthoods. Although I suspect, he said, you might be up for one of those as well. 
<laughs> I quite like, don't like the idea of a sainthood. You do get people, don't you? People sort of write in. Uh, will you be putting uh, an award on the roof of the car, says Phil? Like sort of, you know, the uh, the mayors have them. Uh, the answer is, I don't know, I thought about it. And perhaps you can get something that fits on the, uh, on the grill on the front of the car. Talking of dogs, Christopher Stevens has done a piece. He said, nothing marks the mark of time, march of time, like the dog you love and then lose. And a lot of people have done that. A friend of mine... Uh, David, not with us anymore, sadly, but uh, he used to have uh, bulldogs, and um, and he had little, like a little cemetery in the front of his garden because that's where he would bury them after they uh, after they died. So uh, that was always uh, that was always a bit of a sad thing. And I've read lots of stories from people about animals, people sort of saying, you know, we're so devoted, and people do get really devoted. I've known lots of friends of mine who've had these uh, animals, uh, be it dogs or cats or whatever it is, and they just, it takes over their life. Absolutely takes over their life. Front page of the uh, the Telegraph, uh, they're looking here at uh, at the bill to give Parliament supremacy over the EU courts, who has been, which has been killed. David Cameron yesterday abandoned plans to make Parliament supreme over the European courts, as ministers admitted the proposals were unworkable. Uh, the junior doctors in this 11th hour deal... Uh, so the British Medical Association have climbed down over the weekend paying a new deal with the government for a contract for junior doctors. And this warning to holidaymakers, this is the Zika virus. Now, I warned you about this before, and they expect it to spread to Europe in coming months. And there is a risk of Brits carrying the, the disease and transmitting it. Countries including, at the moment, France, Italy, Spain, Greece and Turkey have been assessed as moderate risk. Uh, but families have been... Uh, there's a whole list of about 58 countries which they're saying, you know, you should be avoiding because the virus there has infected more than 7,000 babies. So 53 countries, you need to go online and, and check them all out. And on a school trip to see uh, the ride of the Valkyries at Covent Garden, Simon Callow recalls he was so moved by Wagner's opera that sticky tears trickled down his face. He said, my schoolmates gave me a very wide berth. I think it's great that uh, theatrical pieces can actually affect people in such a way that they do cry. I think that's, that's absolutely brilliant. It's like Warhorse. The amount of people used to complain about dust in the theatre because it used to make their eyes water. And uh, Philip says, I've got a body that turns women's heads. doesn't do much for their stomachs either. And um, there, is a, there is a container called Travel John. Very convenient for liquid and carries hand wipes, tissue paper, gel inside and colourless, says uh, Teresa. This is the uh, after we discovered this this unbelievable uh, new thing for men, if you get caught short in the car. But it's £149. And um, uh, there was uh, another one here. Congratulations on the new listeners. And uh, thank you and the producers for every uplifting early morning show. Yes, I suppose we have to thank the, uh, the producers as well, don't we, in a sort of, in a small way. I don't know why we do that. We just do that automatically. We have to... I was trying to explain to somebody the other day. They were sort of... They were asking me how you drive a desk. The desk is the is the technical bit that transmits my my voice to you. And I said, you're asking the wrong person. I said, I've never driven a desk in my life. I said, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And they said, well, it looks fairly simple. I said, it might look simple to you. I said, in here, it's like driving Concorde. Uh, we're still waiting, actually, to get back to our um, aviation analyst. He's uh, He's tied up doing something else at the moment. But we will talk to him very, very shortly. Very, very shortly. And bring you up to date on uh, on where this... This Airbus has gone. This is Egypt Air Flight, MS-804. Uh, more than three and a half hours late now. They are accepting the fact that uh, that it's gone down. How it went down, we have no idea. 
We have no idea. They have got search and rescue out, and I should imagine... I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly... Not barren where it is, but it's, it should be fairly cut and dried. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. It just vanished off radar. It was a, a few miles inside Egypt's airspace, and then it just went off. It's got 59 passengers on board, uh, 10 crew members. Uh, what else is on there? I've got no idea, but it normally holds about 220 people. So that's... Uh, so that's... Uh, that's bad news at the moment. Can we talk to him now? Oh, great. Uh, LBC's aviation correspondent. He's going to be a, a busy guy this morning. That's uh, Alex Macheris. Alex, morning again. Good morning, Steve. So now it's, now it's more than three hours late. So we're assuming it's definitely gone down. Yeah, that's correct. So we're now uh, on hour four since this aircraft was last able to be tracked over the Med. Um, I mean, like I was telling you earlier, that... The time frame and, and that, those four hours would have been Egypt Air firstly doing you know, all they can to evaluate and with procedures in place just what has happened or, or where this aircraft is because you know, it, it's important not to forget that there are scenarios sometimes where an aircraft has gone missing, say, for an hour and a half and, uh, and then thankfully and luckily it all turns out to be fine and it was just a communications error. We even had that on a British Airways plane a few weeks ago that was actually intercepted by military jets because no one was answering in the flight deck. Now, we know that this most likely isn't the case of this, and unfortunately we know that this isn't going to have the best outcome. We've already had officials in the last 15 minutes confirming this aircraft did not land anywhere. And so unfortunately did not land anywhere means that, you know, something happened that shouldn't have. It also didn't have, a, it didn't send out any distress signals, so it can't have been engine failure because it would have sent out a distress signal. It just literally vanished. Now, that to me either sounds like an explosion or a complete engine failure, and it came. But these things are big, they can't just come down and nobody sees it, can they? They can't. And, you know, and even, for example, an engine failure in the extremely unlikely event that this aircraft suffered for example a double engine failure which just does not happen mm. on nature 20 but if it did uh, it wouldn't have disappeared uh, quite frankly but so you know it's really difficult circumstances just basing it on previous incidents for example when an aircraft like this has been cruising one second and it disappeared the next it usually um has been because in the past as a result of um things such as um, an explosion. But again, it's important not to speculate. We have no idea what was actually going on on this Egypt Air aircraft, other than the fact that, like he said, for example, if it had started to descend dramatically or was doing anything unusual and veered off, of course, even myself as a consumer of an app called Flight Radar 24 would have been alerted by that and would have been looking and thinking, hold on a second, what's this Egypt aircraft doing? So, you know, this is what's kind of... Uh, the main question at the moment. What do we know about the plane itself? Was it a new plane? Was it an old plane? Okay, so th this is another thing that will probably be misreported a million times in the media today, but this was an Airbus A320, and it's only 12 years old. But regardless of age, because 12 is still very young, hmm. um, the A320, all of them, are very modern aircraft. They're as, as latest as the technology gets in terms of flying. And so, again, this shouldn't really play a part. If you've ever flown short haul anywhere, I guarantee you, you have flown on an A320. They, it's the, an A320 lands or takes off every two seconds in the world. So now we know that they're, uh, they're out there looking for it. 
how difficult would it be? When I was looking at the actual tracking on this one, I was sort of, it, it appears to have vanished over the Mediterranean. That's correct. So the last, the last um, known location of this aircraft was just north of Alexandria, um, over the Mediterranean, kind of to the west of Cyprus. Hmm. So that's where they will concentrate. Am I also right in saying, again, this is, you see, your, your sort of guesswork on it could have been an explosion. If this was just an engine failure, aircraft can glide for a certain period, can't they? They can, yeah. And, and you know, on, on the list of things that could have happened, obviously we won't go through out of respect for the mm. families, but uh, on the list of things that could happen, engine failure would be far towards the bottom. It's not anything that happens nowadays. It, when, when incidents like this happen, it's, uh, it's kind of the knee-jerk for the public to think, oh, well, the engines must have closed down, and, you know, and that's why it crashed. But, you know, more likely than not, that was not the case. These engines don't just stop working right. and if they do encounter trouble like you said then they've got plenty of gliding time they speak to air traffic control they look at their diver options right. this aircraft simply disappeared the next thing that's going to happen isn't it is that the families of those who are on board this flight are going to start gathering at the airport well, this is always the sad bit, and that's the bit that we have to keep reminding ourselves during this, where we try and say, well, this could have happened, or well, this could have happened, is that, you know, even possibly now, uh, and on news outlets, there could be family members listening as they try and seek mm. and gather information. Now, this is partly the reason why we are alerted by the airline, Egypt Air, just like we were today, three to four hours after this aircraft had been missing mm. because they have a duty of care to speak with the family and friends uh, and the loved ones waiting and arrivals at Cairo first because, uh, you know, as, as you were saying earlier, Steve, you know, if you were waiting in arrivals, anything over 30 minutes, you'd be saying, well, you know, mm. come on, what's going on? Yes. And, uh, uh, and want an explanation. Yes, I would. How, how, how much longer do you think, Alex, before we, we start getting some answers? Is this, this, you know, having sort of still waited for the, uh, for the Malaysian Airlines to, uh, to reappear anywhere, and that vanished with 200 passengers? You'd have thought by now something would have shown up. I don't know how deep the, uh, the Mediterranean is at that particular uh, point where we think it went down. And I say think it went down because we don't know whether it glided on a bit further. Well, what, what we do know is that it hasn't actually landed anywhere else. Right. And that's what, a French, that's what a French official just said in the last 15 minutes, because sometimes that's been the case where actually somehow uh, they got into so much trouble, they couldn't even speak to each other control for whatever reason, and they, they landed elsewhere. And so it's, that, that's always a great outcome because usually everyone is fine. Now, um, as you say, with this, with this incident particularly, it's daylight in the area now. Mm. Um, and it's already been, like I said, we're on hour four now, and they do know the last known location. So I don't actually think we'll be waiting that long to find out, um, you know, the ultimatum on what has actually happened to this aircraft. Equally, I was quoted on LBC saying that when MH370, the missing Malaysia airliner, went missing, and, uh, and here we are two years later, uh, none the wiser. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that, that one just vanished completely. You would have thought that... It would have thrown up all sorts with 200 people on board, unless it's sitting at the bottom of the oceans. It can't be anywhere else, can it? Uh, it it's just the most... Uh, uh, I can't even begin to understand what the family and friends of those to do with MH370 yeah. must be going through. I actually have two members of the family that tweet me um, regularly asking if there's been any kind of update. And, you know, I, I'm not an investigator. I do not work for the team, but I just find that awfully sad that they're doing 
uh, everything they can to try and find out more because ultimately for them it has been two years of, of literally nothing. You know, they haven't mm. said they're any closer. We find debris occasionally, um, but, but it doesn't seem to stretch further than that. So, you know, the difficult times... Very interesting. I've just checked on Egypt Air's Twitter feed and they've said that the aircraft pilot has 6,275 flying hours, including over 2,000 hours flying on the Airbus 320. So we're talking about a very experienced pilot here. Yeah, and I've got no doubt that the flight crew were both um, as exper- both experienced and, and adequate to be flying. You know, airlines don't take chances and... Uh, and so um, I'm sure that the flight crew were, were more than adequate. I'm sure today they'll be receiving some of the blame. And, you know, mm. and I, I, although that's wrong, also I can understand why the public sort of kind of knee-jerk to that because, for example, the German wings crash that we had where everybody was kind of trying to figure out, oh, did this happen to it? Did that happen? And it turned out to be pilot suicide, and it was, mm. you know, the pilot involved. Yes. So uh, I think that, you know... We'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, the, the, the co-pilot, incidentally, also from Egypt Air's Twitter feed, has uh, just under 2,800 flying hours. So, you know, we're, we're talking about an experienced crew. We're talking about, I mean, all, all the signs are there, as you've pointed out, and I think we're, we're all too well aware now. There was no warning. There's no nothing. There wasn't an engine failure. It must have been either one hell of an explosion, which somebody somewhere must have seen when these things come down, and uh, we're assuming it would come down in the Mediterranean. But at the moment, all lines are, are open, and we just have to wait and find out. So we'll talk to you before the end of the programme, Alex. No doubt you're going to be fairly busy today, as I can well imagine. That's fine. Always available to LBC. And, uh, and it just quickly, the Egypt Air have just released their number uh, now for relatives to follow, um, should there be anybody listening uh, at this hour. OK, I'll give that out in a, in a moment. Alex, thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, we'll have more from him. Uh, just as we come up to... I'll finish at 6.30 this morning, so we'll have a final update there. And we'll find out that Egypt Air number if you're worried that friends of yours or family uh, or relations or loved ones could have been on that flight. That's MS804. More from Alex Macheris a little bit later. So go, go and get a pen and a piece of paper, and I'll give you this number in one minute. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. This story is going to run uh, for the day, I suspect. This is the uh, missing flight MS804 from Egypt Air. Now, there is a telephone number which Egypt Air have issued. If you uh, think you might know somebody who had been on the flight or you're awaiting relatives or you just want to find out more, this is the number you call. 0020-225-225. 989320. I'll give you that number again. 0020-225-989-320. OK, that's if you think you might know somebody or you've got relatives on flight MS804, which has disappeared. The signs are not good. Uh, somebody said to me that it, it could be, you know, easier to find than normal because the Mediterranean... Uh, isn't actually going to be as deep there. I mean, some some parts of the Indian Ocean, the sea is it's three miles deep, uh, whereas, in fact, you know, ten miles from the Egyptian coast, the sea is not going to be three miles deep. Uh, there are also military radars which scan that region. You're going to have, you know, Egyptian, Israeli and Turkish. Somebody would have seen something. These things, you know, if it was... Uh, if it was blown up, if it was an explosion, we're only guessing. I'm just trying to think what else it could 
possibly be that takes something off radar with no distress signals, no pilot contacting saying, listen, we've lost the use of one of the engines. These are fairly reliable planes. The pilot was very experienced. The co-pilot was very experienced. Uh, And if it did, you know, have uh, an engine failure, then there would have been... Uh, you know, little lifeboats that they would have launched and things like that. They're fully equipped, these. This is, a, this is a, an up-to-date plane. It might have been 12 years old, but believe you me, in, in plane terms, that's, uh, that's a very up-to-date plane. But none of that at all. So what else could bring a plane down and make it vanish? An explosion. So that, uh, that flight, MS-804. More details on LBC. We'll have a, another chat to uh, Alex Macheris just before uh, 25 past six this morning. Uh, other stories of the papers today, still dragging out her five minutes of fame. It's all finished, I think, for poor old Cheryl. She's over in Cannes. She's not really doing anything. She's just being paid by a makeup company. But she doesn't look half as glam as she did before. The last time she appeared in Cannes, uh, paid for, you know, because you're worth it kind of thing. But anyway, she has found time in her extremely busy schedule. It must be so exhausting. She told us the other day that they play uh, computer games on the television together. Cheryl, Cheryl Cole is more than 30, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, and they enjoy eating cheeseburgers as well, so that's very exciting. But she's managed to find space for another tattoo. So that was good, wasn't it? I'm sure that'll go down very well. Can't imagine why. She, he apparently likes tattoos as well. But uh, his just aren't as visible. Hers does just look slightly chavvy. Well, in fact, actually, very chavvy. But I'm, I'm reliably informed that any of these uh, things... Are terribly addictive. If you have tattoos done, people get addicted. Although I was seeing somebody in here the other day who's got tattoos. I said, oh, you've had some more tattoos done. Yeah, I've got this one, and I'm having this one done, and this, and you think, wow. And then, it's, apparently, if you have an arm done, it's called a sleeve. It's fairly basic stuff. Uh, and I did say, I said, well, coming up very shortly, there is a tattoo exhibition, a tattoo festival coming up. And I can't remember whether it's at Alexandra Palace or the O2. And I thought, it's for people who like Getting tattoos, seeing tattoos, no doubt there'll be tattooists there so you can have a tattoo done. And it's called London, here it is, I can tell you now, it's coming up in September. It's called the International London Tattoo Convention. And, and you can go there and you can have tattoos done. It's, uh, if, if you buy tickets in advance, it's between 20 and £30. Pounds. If you go to the gate, though, it goes up to uh, 30 £35. Pounds. And you can go there. It's open from 11.30 till midnight. Midnight? Midnight? I've never heard of an exhibition open that late. But there's all sorts of stuff there. And you can... Um, they're also looking for, for volunteers to work there as well. So this is 23rd, 24th, 25th. Uh, London Tattoo... Where is it? It's Tobacco Dock, is it? You can just imagine what it's going to look like. But I bet there's people immediately thinking, well, that sounds like a good, uh, a good day out. Still to come, ticket for the Chelsea Flower Show. £1,000 online, ladies and gentlemen. Unbelievable. £1,000. More details coming up after the news, which is next. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Thursday the 19th of May. Updates coming in a second on the missing Egypt air flight MS-804. We think it has been blown up. We think there's been some sort of explosion. We'll have details coming up in a moment. It certainly wasn't recorded as landing anywhere, so details in a moment. The TV star who says her husband can sleep with other women, so they ask him and he goes, I've got no such arrangement with my wife at all. So somebody's telling Porky Pies. The uh, takeaway shops being forced to provide toilets for customers. You can imagine how dirty some of them are going to be. Ticket for the Chelsea Flower Show. £1,000 online. £1,000. I keep saying to you, join the Royal Horticultural Society. You'll get in much cheaper. 
Serena, the party girl, she's going to be the bore of the century. And uh, the other one here, the film festival, where they sell dogs for food. The hungry osprey that eats goldfish as well, with the owner's permission. He's got a pond with goldfish in it. And he noticed an osprey sitting in the tree. And as he watched, the osprey jumped down. Well, jumped out. They sort of they glide down. Picked up a goldfish and, and took it away. And so he said he doesn't actually mind losing a few goldfish. He said, just for the fact... I mean, I don't know the goldfish are too thrilled about it. But he said it's, it's fascinating to watch these, these uh, beautiful birds hunting. He said he's never actually noticed this before. But now he's noticed it. I think he's, he's basically putting goldfish in there. So the osprey will take them. Well, I watched a heron taking our fish years ago. Because fish grow to the size of the pond that they're in. You know, they certainly grow in size. If it's only a small place, then they're, they're not going to grow much uh, much bigger. Uh, the Hillsborough cop who sneaked back into the UK. The shops defying the ban to keep selling skin-whitening products. They've been prosecuted in many of these places. They're still selling them. And uh, the couple who stole £300,000 from the NHS. Uh, I think they're in prison at the moment. They've been told either you pay it back or we're taking your home. So, uh, so that's good news, isn't it? I've often said people who thieve from either... The uh, either sort of uh, any government body or just from anybody, actually. I want to make sure we get the money back. If people thieve through benefits, I want the money back. I don't really care how they pay it back or whether they lose their house. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the fact that if somebody stole it, they used it to spend it on holidays. Obviously not a very pleasant uh, couple at all. Uh, young Gary, he says, uh, congratulations uh, about your uh, prestigious gold award. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, Neil says... Uh, congratulations as well. He says, we're all over the moon for you. I think we're sharing it. I think it's a, it's a shared experience. And I think uh, it's, uh, it's something that's, that's very nice. Only can happen once in a lifetime, isn't it? And so we might as well enjoy it as we can, as we can. Coming up to uh, seven minutes past uh, six, uh, let's talk to Paul Charles. Paul Charles is a former director of communications at Virgin Atlantic and an airline expert at PCC. This is on Missing Egypt Air Flight MS-804. Paul, good morning. That was a more interesting version than I've ever had before on the programme. I felt I was wandering into a Doctor Who territory there. But we'll, we'll check the line and we'll, we'll get back to him very, very quickly. I'm not sure whether or not that was his end or it was it was our end, but we will uh, we will find out in one second. Then we'll also we've got some other stories to uh, to tempt you with from the papers today about uh, David Walliams, who's got a new book out, and uh, and the other one here uh, about a flunky for Her Majesty from yesterday. Uh, apparently, it's a highly sought after job. These are the lads that they use for carrying the Queen's train. And uh, one of them uh, collapsed the other day. He just sort of... And so they, they, they brought somebody else in for the last time when somebody collapsed. And apparently it's terribly stressful. If you've ever seen the state opening of Parliament, you have to sit there and watch as these poor lads have to stand there. But they generally come from very well-heeled families, generally sort of uh, related in in some way, shape or form to the royal family. And they look on this as... I don't think they get paid for it either. It's, it's supposed to be the job that's, that's terribly prestigious. So we'll look at that in the papers today. And also um, the jihadi Brit who's pining for a Greggs, apparently. This is uh, Abu Abdullah Britani. He said he was sticking to his new life and didn't plan to return. Good. Well, stay there then. That's fantastic. The more you stay out there, the happier I'm going to be. Let's go back to uh, try and have another try with uh, the former director of communications at Virgin Atlantic and an airline ex- uh, expert at PCC. Paul Charles, good morning. Good morning, Steve. So th- th- this uh, we first heard about this over... An hour and a half ago, the airline is now four hours late. Now, I think they have accepted that 
it's come down, where is the next big problem? Yes, I mean, obviously this is very early stages, so there won't be very decisive or clear information at this stage. So there's going to be a lot of speculation. It's going to be difficult to know exactly what happened at this stage, and that will take some time for uh, to become clear. But let's face it, Egypt Air certainly has a, a questionable recent record. Uh, it's got a questionable record um, relating to not just hijackings, but other incidents, maintenance incidents, etc., um, it's going to be interesting to see what information they release as quickly as possible. They're, they're supposed to be terribly safe, these Airbuses, aren't they? I mean, they're supposed to be, you know, the very latest technology. We know that there was no distress call given out. Uh, it just vanished off radar. That would indicate to me that there was either an explosion on board and the plane came down fairly quickly. We know it was over the Mediterranean. I mean, technically, or in theory, it shouldn't actually take too long to find out where it is, should it? No, it shouldn't, and there'll be a lot of search and rescue teams already trying to work out where it is. They should have a rough idea. Uh, The fact that there's no mayday call doesn't suggest anything. I mean, it it could be a number of reasons as to why it happened. The Airbus A320 itself is a very, very good aircraft. It's used by many, many airlines, certainly in Europe. Um, The likes of EasyJet uh, use this aircraft. Um, British Airways, lots of airlines rely on the Airbus A320, and it's a very, very good plane to to be a passenger in. I'm not sure yet. We're still checking on on the age of this aircraft, how old it how old it is. I'm not sure on the maintenance of this aircraft. That will be interesting. Right. When was its last check? What was done? Um, were there any issues that came up in the last maintenance check? I wouldn't read too much in the, into the fact that this aircraft came from Paris. I, I don't think that will have any mm. bearing on this. I think this is more likely to be something that happened locally in the region, mm. uh, whether it was uh, an engine incident, whether it was something to do with the aircraft, or whether it was terrorist-related. Yes, and I suppose we have to keep our options open on all of them. We, we, we do know that the pilot had uh, had quite healthy hours in, in flying this, the co-pilot. 6,000 hours. Yeah, it was 6,000, which, which is quite a lot, isn't it, I'm assuming, in the business? It, yes, I mean, it's, it's a decent amount. It's not as, as much as, obviously, some more experienced pilots, mm. but uh, certainly a decent amount. This wasn't a, a fresh pilot. Um, I, I, I do think... Uh, the, the initial uh, investigation is going to have to make it very clear um, what happened in the last maintenance check. That's going to be one of the first things that I mm. think people will look at. It. It's, did it clear its last maintenance check? Well, were there any issues that came up? Were there any issues at Charles de Gaulle before that aircraft left the airport mm. that came up? The, the initial indication from Egypt, uh, there, was, there was nothing reported untoward from Paris before it left. So you've got to narrow it down to could it have been something that just happened um, that wasn't expected? Was it a pilot error in some way? Was it a terrorist incident locally in Egyptian airspace? As we know, there was a Russian aircraft that was brought down in Egyptian airspace uh, last year. So could it be related in some way? These are going to be the questions that are going to have to be answered this morning. There weren't very many people on it either. It, it normally holds, what, two, 220. There's only uh, 56 mm. people on this and 10 crew. That's right, yes. Uh, I think 56 or 59 people plus the 10 mm. crew. Very lightly loaded. But that's not unusual. Um, middle of the week. Um, it's not uh, an especially busy time at the moment following Easter. Um, so it wouldn't be unusual that the plane would be lightly loaded. Mm. Um, but uh, I think the, the, that, that, uh, that's clearly going to be looked at as to the passenger list, who was on board as well, 
um, and 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 you know, what were they doing? But I think the initial indication would be that this wasn't something out of Paris necessarily, because if it was terrorist related out of Paris, it would have happened. There would have been an incident much earlier. The fact it was so far into its mm. flight and it wasn't far, it seems, from its destination at Cairo would suggest that it was something maintenance related or pilot related or on board related um, or terrorist related in the region. Right. And would it also depend on what Egypt Air decide to tell us? Oh, I think they'll be very open as uh, as soon as they know. Um, already they've been tweeting, you know, the, mm. the appearance of the aircraft this morning. Um, it, it wouldn't make any sense for them to withhold information, I don't believe. They were certainly very communicative during a recent incident when they had a hostage crisis uh, with one of the yes. passengers, you may recall, yes. who was, was taking selfies uh, on board the aircraft, bizarrely, um, and who hijacked the aircraft in the region. So I think, I think they'll be very communicative as soon as they know more. Um, that, will, that will very clearly um, come out in the next couple of hours. I do hope so, because we're still looking for that Malaysian plane from two years ago now. Yes, although obviously parts of, uh, of that aircraft, MH370, have, uh, have obviously been washed up on, on various uh, islands. Um, so at least parts of it you know, have been found and they have declared that that aircraft definitely came down. I, I think this will be a much quicker mm. uh, solution. I think on the, on the Egypt air, they have said it didn't land. That's a fact they have confirmed. It did not land. So it came down somewhere. If it came down in the ocean, uh, then, and it's not that particularly deep there compared to, you know, some parts of the Indian Ocean, which can go down mm. three miles. The, the Mediterranean's, mm. you know, slightly uh, less deep, I think. Yes, I think, I think there'll be a lot more traffic as well, a lot more shipping traffic in the area that may have seen something um, or that will be able to get to the zone uh, where the aircraft allegedly came down, so so we should get some information more quickly. Um, it's difficult when you're, you know, I've been a, a communications director in an airline. It's difficult when you're in this sort of situation because you've got to decide how much information you release quickly, um, what technically you need to hold back because you have to be certain of your facts. Mm, you mm. do not want to give out information that is inaccurate, that's going to lead to more speculation. You have to stick to the facts, and if you don't have many facts. Uh, which was, of course, the problem in the Malaysian, mm. Malaysian Airlines incident, then it's difficult to know what to say. So Egypt Air will only be able to issue information as soon as they're certain and clear on exactly what happened. Paul Charles, thank you for joining us this morning. Paul Charles, former yeah. director of communications at Virgin Atlantic and an airline expert at PCC. We'll have a chat to uh, Alex Macheras in around uh, five minutes' time, just in case things have changed. Because things move at, at a fair pace, and as Paul was just saying, you know, he thinks we'll actually get answers sooner than we probably think on this one. It's uh, 6.15, LBC News time, the latest. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 6.20, Thursday, the 19th of uh, May. It's nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Pete says, I'm getting married next week. Any advice? Don't. <laughs> Couldn't actually think of anything that would go along with that at all, actually. Hope it goes well. And uh, loose women. Uh, between bouts of man bashing, the revelations one should only tell one's doctor or priest is nothing sacred, says Steve. No, I mean, it's, it's, I find it unbelievable, I really do. Some of the stuff they come up on there, and Paul says every part of Katie Price's life is foul and obnoxious. She may have a few quid, but no class whatsoever. Yes, I, I'm well aware of it. I have seen it on the programme. They seem to be playing a downward thing after this, uh, this girl who failed on The Apprentice turned up and is now laughingly called a star, as we throw this, uh, this word around everywhere. Um, she says that she's got an arrangement with her husband. He says he knows nothing about it. 
So somebody's telling fibs somewhere along there the line, aren't they, really? I think. Um, a lot of people uh, retweeting about this, uh, this airline which has gone missing, and I did the number. I'll give it to you again. This is for uh, the Egypt air flight MS-804 from Paris to Cairo. Don't read Paris into anything, because this thing had flown for, for quite some time. And it was, it was almost sort of, you know, very, very close to its destination when it just vanished. So the number is 0020-225-989320. That's the number that they've issued from Egypt Air, OK? 0020-225-989320. And that's for the Egypt Air. If you think you know somebody on the flight or you want to know more about it, it, it does appear from what we, we're getting, these bits of information which are filtering through, and I, I can't get hold of our aviation analyst, uh, Alex, at the moment. We'll keep trying for a few more minutes, but I think uh, he might have to go to another part of LBC's programming this morning. Um, and the latest thing is 37,000 feet when it went missing. I mean, if it was going to be, you know, pilot error or anything else like that, it could have happened earlier on, couldn't it? But it didn't. It didn't. It happened as it was sort of nearing the destination, and then it just vanished completely. There was no warning. There was no nothing at all. A fairly safe aircraft. Egypt Air's track record, not not the most brilliant at the moment. But we'll wait and see. I think we'll probably know more about this one in a in a short space of time. I'm hoping by at least lunchtime. Uh, Tony and Old Coulston, thank you very much indeed. And uh, Ivo, he's in the Middle East. The uh, the British expats here. He says, uh, listen to you on the drive to work, which is nice. And, uh, and Bibi says, we've always known that you're pure gold, but it's quite nice to, to find out that other people think exactly the same. Thank you very much indeed for that, which is very nice. Uh, more of your, uh, your uh, emails. Uh, Sally says, we never used to have planes just disappearing. I was always told, actually, that, uh, that, uh, that flight was, the, was sort of the best thing. The best thing, you know, it, it, was the, it was the safest thing. Tony Paledri says, well-deserved award. The red, white and green carbon and Prosecco is on ice at Little Italy in Fritz Street. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Love to stay there for a little while yet, Tony. Don't worry. And uh, another one here. Uh, the osprey feeding the goldfish. Not much of a meal. It went back four times. So it turned out to be, uh, to be qu- quite, a, quite a good thing there, actually. Uh, in fact, quite a, a very good thing, actually. And the man said he wasn't actually un- unhappy about the osprey eating the goldfish. He said it seemed a small price to pay. And, of course, once the goldfish have sort of quite got used to the fact that this thing swoops in and swoops out very, very quickly. I agree with you. It doesn't seem like a large meal. When you see the, the size of the goldfish, they're not, they're not the biggest goldfish I've ever seen. But uh, there you go. Steve, eating cheeseburgers. Look what happened to Elvis Presley. I know, yes. And... Um, Steve, I'm, I'm listening to you, surrounded by boxes and uh, bags as I'm moving tomorrow. Oh, I can well imagine how, how traumatic and stressed you must be feeling at the moment. OK, let's have the, uh, let's have the last uh, chat to LBC's aviation analyst, Alex Macheris. Morning, Alex. Morning, Steve. So, uh, so uh, I was talking to somebody a moment ago, and uh, where are we now? So we, we, we were talking to Paul Charles about it. He says, you know, it was, if, if this was a, was a bomb or something like that, why do they leave it that late into it? You know, so was it was it something else? He thinks we're, we're going to find out about this flight sooner rather than later. Definitely. Uh, and I agree. I do think we'll be finding out within the next few hours. Um, we're hearing reports that the search and rescue um, are already uh, at the area last known. So just um, over the Med and apparently the vessels are already there too, just north of Alexandria. 
Um, in terms of if this was, say, a bomb, why it was activated in just the last phase mm-hmm. of the flight, you know, I, I have no idea. I mean, that's uh, definitely something that hasn't really been a pattern in terms of in aviation history when somebody um, kind of, uh, if they were performing an act of terror, then when, when they would do it at what stage in the flight. Um, I don't know if the fact that the aircraft had just crossed into Egyptian airspace was significant in any way or, or played a part in whatever did happen. But in terms of sort of key milestones of that flight, if you like, that was the biggest in terms of the aircraft had just entered Egyptian airspace. And, uh, and then the next thing on the list, if you like, would have been okay to prepare the uh, aircraft for descent and arrival into Cairo. Mm. Of course, the other thing that we now have to look at, and I'd, I'd forgotten about this until Paul raised it earlier on, we're going to have to look at the passenger list, who was on the passenger list. We're going to have to look at the credentials. We know that the pilot and co-pilot had, uh, had plenty of experience flying planes. There wasn't any problem there. But again, they will have to be checked as well. Things which you probably thought would have been done before. And the passenger list is also very important. 60 people, they're going to have to look through that very carefully. They are indeed. And although I would imagine that in these circumstances in the past, the manifest is already being looked at. And again, that's those key three hours that the media knew nothing Mm. that Egypt Air have to quickly uh, try and and follow their procedures that are all in place before they get hounded by the world's media for answers. Understandably, of course, you know, the missing aircraft, Um, a light load of passengers, as you say, 60 we're hearing on board. Mm. Um, again, com- conflicting reports as to the ratio of crew. Apparently, we're also receiving reports that there were as many as three security members on this aircraft. Whether that's significant uh, is, is also something that I imagine will be uh, released in the coming hours. Mm. And because it came down where it... Well, we're assuming where it came down. There would have been right, loads yeah. of people tracking these planes. There would have been Turkish there, Israelis. There would have been all sorts of people in the Egyptians tracking. And that was just on the mainland. And those are just the, um, uh, like you said, the, on the mainland and, and the ones that wouldn't have been sort of tuning in as such. But, you know, the, the crossover and the handover to Egyptian airspace, we know, did take place. So they did make contact. So, you know, for air traffic, for air traffic control to have not picked up anything, for example, in the unlikely event of a hijacking, sometimes you can hear... Um, disruption in the flight deck and air traffic mm. controllers will say, hold on, this aircraft, you know, we've just heard this in the background, should we be monitoring it? We're still finding out that Egypt Air are still standing by the statement that this aircraft did disappear and uh, and so disappear translates to most likely crashed, unfortunately, yeah. um, over the Med. Because, we, because we, we know it didn't land, so it obviously must have crashed. It can't have gone anywhere else. But you would have thought, as I pointed out to you before, that something of this size, if that was an explosion, you would hear that for miles, would you not? You would think, wouldn't you? I mean, again, it's difficult to say. I, I, I've never really heard anything like that or, or, or would like to. But, you know, this was over the sea, just north of Alexandria. Um, it was dawn there, or kind of approaching dawn, um, but I know that we're hearing that it was dark, actually, when the aircraft was last seen. Um, and, and again, we would expect if there were more passengers on board, for example, if there was, you know, well over 200, which there is capacity for, um, some, some passengers, like I do whenever I have relatives mm. flying, I, I track them on flight radar, I check, you know, just uh, what altitude are they at, you know, what's their arrival time. Maybe this would have been alerted, you know, earlier had there been more on board. But, Absolutely. you know, a, qu- a quiet night flight from Paris and uh, what's looking like a tragic ending. 
Alex, thank you for joining us this morning. Alex will no doubt be popping up later on LBC. Alex Macheris, LBC's aviation analyst. Sadly, I've got no more time this morning. It's uh, been an unusual programme. Uh, we'll do it again tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. I hope you can join me then. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. At 7, it's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. They'll be following this through as well. They're coming up next on LBC. And have a great day, everybody. It's Lisa with the morning news. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850.